quick 15 second promo for Purple Stride in April. Go! Purplestride.org backslash team trick. We're a team! We're a team! There's our leader, Kitty! Our vision of hope! A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is a new bird. He sings a love song as we go along. Walking in a winter wonderland. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are. The Inglorious Trexpert's Holiday Special with Robert Meyer Burnett. Hello. And we're talking. Hello. hello. We're talking merchandise. Merchandising. You know merchandising. This is the command center of the USS Enterprise from the Star Trek collection. Assembly required. Hey, look, there's Captain Kirk and Commander Decker. And Officer Ilea. There's also the Vulcan shuttle with docking port. You can put in Scotty and Spock and Dr. McCoy. Bridge, shuttle, and action figures each sold separately. Wow, the crew goes back and forth. Vulcan shuttle, USS Enterprise bridge, and figures all sold separately by Mega. Yeah, you know, we're uh, if, if you were looking at Rob right now, you see he's in his observatory, and uh, it's 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 he's surrounded by um, uh, Blu-rays and DVDs and and all kinds of merchandise. Wow. What, what are some of the highlights there in the? Uh, Observatory, Rob. Well, if I were to mention some of the things that are on this list, but I have, there's so many different iterations of starships. I mean, you just never know. I can just reach and pick up a starship. Oh, look at that. I, but I see, oh, I see, yeah. Blank, 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 I see, I see Prince and yeah, the well, time. my six scale super group. Yeah. So you got Jimi Hendrix, you got yeah, Bowie, oh, you got Freddie Mercury, you got Prince, you got John Lennon, you got Elvis, and you got Eric Draven the Crow. They so are the other world. space oddities. And you can't, it can't uh, rain all the time. 2001 Toys and Models, you know. Mm. Uh, there's so much stuff. Random, you know, just, just, I got We random, can't hear you when you turn. I got random models of like space. Oh, look, it's not random at all. Uh, of many different, this is, I don't even know why I bought this by accident. I meant, meant to buy something else. You but don't this is know why. Old. Rob accidentally buys model kits. Uh, you know, How yeah. do you not know why? Look, it's fantastic. He, he swallowed a flood. Ed 209. Nice. Oh, look at that. That's gorgeous. That's at 209 from Robocop. Yeah, which doesn't wow. work. I don't know why anyone would want a toy of this, but yeah. well, here it is. Try aiming a gun at it. Where do you get all those wonderful toys? <laughs> Japan. <laughs> the internet. I got I I've got Eric. I've got uh uh Tyler Durden. Wow. There. You got Cal L last son of Krypton? Uh better. Oh, look at that. It's Jor-El. 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 There you go. Jor-El. In the original. Welcome incredibly to rare hot toy from uh, nine, uh, 2006. Welcome to made Krypton. for Superman Returns, but it was yeah. not released in the United States. I, I I was able to get one of those, too. And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. I also got a uh, a swizzle stick that was uh, made out of clear plastic that works exactly for his, uh, his uh, baton. How about this, Mark? The oh, look at that. Oh, the Japanese, 
Laser Disc. Star I'm going to it like Audi. Laser Disc. Star Wars. The color timing of this is the Star Wars. Is the color timing they use for everything else? Whenever they make the other stuff for the illegal 4K or mm. 2 That was the that was the first widescreen edition of the yep. movie. Yes, it was. Wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. You know, it's funny because if somebody broke into your house, ninety nine percent of robbers would be like, "What the fuck? Why are we? Why we came into the wrong house?" But there's one percent that would be, <laughs> would be like, like, "This, this is, is the a- greatest robbery of all time." Yeah, yeah they, they would, they would like stop robbing your house just to talk to you about all the shit they wanted to steal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and it's a, it's just a mess. There's just so much stuff in here. But well, I, you it's, moved it's, a couple of months ago, so uh, you still. Ha- it's amazing. Well, you have as in, much I'm out actually as you do. shifting everything, and I keep moving stuff around. So it's, it's with uh, your mind. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's come to the end of it. Like I've got to stop collecting stuff. The only thing I'm going to keep buying is movies. I think movies and books. Oh, you interesting. Because that's you know. I, I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Gab said to me, Gabrielle, a good friend, Gabrielle, she said, you know, up until 50, you spend your life accumulating things. And after 50, you spend your life getting rid of things. Yeah, well, yeah, That's uh, not the plan. See, here's the problem. They're making, <laughs> they're making it's, in terms of collectibles, they're making some of the coolest collectibles ever made now. Yes. And it's are. like there's a company called Jazz Inc. Mm-hmm. that they, they do is one six Batmobile. They're doing a one six pod from two thousand one. Wow. Yeah. wow, that's wild! Uh, come on, you gotta have come on, that. five more of those, and like you could actually have a pod from two thousand one. Jazz uh, hands I mean, Inc. Wow, but it's that's... yeah, but I think Gab is right. Like you think like this stuff was supposed to inspire us to do work. Mm. Having these collectibles, being surrounded by collectibles, was was what we needed to inspire us to do our own works. So hopefully, somebody would make something from something we did. Well, there you go. That's the but, dream. Uh, well, but I keep buying things. I'm like, I I do have to say that a company is making the Exorcist three shears that I designed. Dude, so that's really? Cool. That's pretty close. Yeah. Where the hell do I get those? They aren't out yet. Hopefully next year. That's not okay because I need that's as good as it gets. Right. That yet. is absolutely. Pretty, I mean, I don't good. collect a lot of stuff, but I would absolutely <laughs> buy that and then kill a nurse with them. Wow, well, that's going to go on the box. I would, that, that, that's a blurb it. that's going to go on the box. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> Are they going to be made out of like yes. me- metal? Yes. Oh, and dude. The, 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 comp- the, the head of the company was just uh, on uh, Adam Savage uh, uh, on his podcast. And uh, he was showing all these stuff that they made from Batman. And they, you know, they made one of the grapplers from the original uh, uh, 89 grapplers Batman. Horn from Farpoint? No. Uh, and uh, they they do amazing work. So I, I I don't know when they're going to announce it. I probably mm. have uh, uh, ruined up the gun. Yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm very excited. Well, me yeah. too. And you know, Mark likes to say very few things in life are actually iconic, but those shears are in they fact really iconic. Are. Yeah, I hate um, I hate that people keep saying iconic for things. I know <laughs> they're doing it everywhere are, now. I can't unsee it's it everywhere. Like, I literally right everything is described yeah. as iconic. Yeah. Every press release, every when everything person, is iconic, every movie, is iconic. every I was like, but it's not. Yeah, that's not what iconic means. It's like after the Alanis Morissette song, everyone was using <laughs> ironic the wrong way. So not ironic or iconic. Right. Nothing with eyes. Just stay away from the I words completely. Except for idiot. <laughs> that I can't get enough of. <laughs> so uh anyway, it's nice to see you guys back for the holiday special. 
We're back. Why do we collect things? Why, why, why do we have this merchandise? Rob, you alluded to it a little earlier. Ashley, why, why you probably, you know, well, well, you're probably the least collector of all of us, although you collect comic books oh, yeah. and stuff. So you are a collector. What is it about merchandise that makes us want to possess it? Um, uh, you know what? I, th- I think when it's, look, there, there are two ways of looking at this. I think there, number one, it's, yeah, look, I, we've all known each other for a very long time. Um, and, uh, I've, we've all seen Rob's collection of everything up close and personal. And I think there, there are collectors in the world like Rob who just love everything with their whole heart and they just want to have it and look at it and be with it and make sweet, sweet love to it. Uh, and uh, then there are collectors like me on the other end of the spectrum who get uh, get very into like a very specific kind of thing. Mm. So for me, it's my comics, but it's not just my comics. It's, you know, it's I've talked about this before, my complete collection of everything Batman going back to 1985. Mm. If I collect action figures... Uh, you even like, own... Val Kilmer, it's amazing. Yeah, I do. I, I got just a, hangs yeah. out of your he's house. In my, he's in my house right now. He's yeah. holding up the foundation. It's uh, he's 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 here. Um, did you, you know when I collect toys, action Val figures? Kilmer? I'm sorry. Did you get the hot toys, Val Kilmer? And, I and I did Chris not Adol? get the hot toys, Val Kilmer. I mean, honestly, the thing that I was looking for at Comic Con this uh this this last July was I was looking for the uh, the McFarlane toys, uh, Michael Keaton Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really wanted, uh, on top of that was the, um, was the Lego, uh, Batman Returns Batcave. Like, uh, I'm really into stuff like that that is super honking rare. specific. And yeah, exactly. And mm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I like, it, if I can't find it, I don't just kind of grab stuff. I do, however, also have this weird obsession with, and it's not weird because he's awesome, but I got a weird obsession with Ultraman. So if I see Ultraman action figures, I have to buy them. Do you have a beta capsule? I do not have a beta capsule, but I would absolutely buy a beta capsule. Of course you would. Damn yeah, right I would. Right? I think it's, like, it's just it impacted me as a child. Like, I was so traumatized by that time that is yeah. that, uh, that by having lots of Ultramans, I can, I can undo his end. Mm, right. You know? So, I, you have a th- I have a theory about collecting. Okay. Um, when we're kids, we collect stuff that helps us imagine that we're grown up. When we're adults, we collect the same things to help us imagine that we're young again. Wow, he's like Socrates without the little boys. That's really amazing. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know what's what's strange? Like when I was a kid, I still to this day, I loved building model spaceships Mm -hmm. because you wanted to, it was to, to have a, representation of something that to be able to hold it and look at it from different angles allowed you to understand it better. Like the geography of the enterprise, for instance, to have a model kit of the enterprise was to look around. You saw it on TV, but, but you know, when you look at things at different angles, things are elongated or depending on the size of the lens or, but when you actually put it together or and paint it and do whatever you, you get a much better understanding like the millennium Falcon. I remember the first time I bought the MPC model of the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars, I didn't really understand because the way they shot that model, it was hard to grasp what it actually looked like. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it's basically a hamburger with two two pylons in the front. 
But until you actually pick it up and look around, you're like, oh, because some of those shots, like when you see the rear grills, it's like, how does that work? Because you never saw in the movie, it was, you never got to see it like holistically. Mm. So I think that's, I always loved spaceship models to play with them and help me understand them better. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Rob, did you see, I'm I'm sure you got this. I have very fond memories of this. Rob is clearly the biggest collector of all of us. And yes. uh, no, Darren's pretty big. No, nope. R- Rob used to have um, these great late night parties at his house. Uh, when you know, after a late night partying, everybody would go back to Rob's house, and he'd have Barbarella on the TV and be playing Air and stuff. How did you get that early? Hey, it's me. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm show- What I'm showing is this gorgeous 4K Barbarella. Um, oh wow! And you know. That was like the the staple of uh, Rob's apartment at the time during it's the free true. enterprise era. My wife at the time too would put on Barbarella, and then we'd play like like you said techno music, whether it's yeah. Daft Punk or Air or something. Would play over that. That is a gorgeous set that came out. It comes. Out oh tomorrow. my god, it is stunning, and uh, you know, a, a relic of a more civilized age. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. What? Hey, Have you showed Isaac, Isaac yet? No, I mean, I, I, you know, look, I just showed him Blade Runner. We went to the Arrow two weeks ago, and Baby he steps, absolutely Baby loved steps. it. He absolutely loved it. I think he loves Blade Runner more than I do, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, it was, but I kept looking over, like, is he bored? Does he know what's going on? I was just wondering. And then at the end, he goes, that movie is amazing. And I said, wow. He said, okay. and, and, and he was like, I wish Coruscant had looked like that. <laughs> I was just like, nice, nice. I, I approve. So um, that was exciting. That was that was a, that was a win. Well, wait till he finds out what Orgasmatron is. That, well, he's a collector. I mean, it's funny. He was cat sitting for Dan Weber's cats, and he had his eye on this General Zod from Superman Two that he really wanted. And every time he, Dan would call and see how the cats are doing, he said, "The cats are great." So is General Zod. And uh, and Dan, to his credit, um, when he came back uh, from his uh, trip, gave Isaac the uh, General Zod. He Aww. was very, very happy. That's very happy. happy. That's a happy story. Yeah. That's yeah. a great story. That's so. one way to get a General Zod. That's right. Yeah. Because I remember at Comic-Con, we were looking all over for it for General Zod. Couldn't find it. He was very disappointed. And so when Dan gave him the General Zod, he was just... Well, you have he to was, you have to look in the phantom zone. D- delighted, yes, That's exactly, right. exactly. So, uh, but today we're we're not talking about Barbarella. We're not talking no. about General Zod or Jor El no. or Krypton. We're talking about the best Star Trek merchandise, the top ten best Star Trek merchandise. Because of course, this is the fourth installment of our ten part ten ten for ten Star Trek top ten lists. We've done the top ten seasons to usher in seasons greetings. We've done the uh, best adversaries, 10 top 10 adversaries. And last week we did the top 10 books, fiction and nonfiction. Technically, it was really the top 20, but who's counting? Yeah. So this week, <laughs> it's the top 10 best Trek merchandise. And to, uh, to kick us off, we look at uh, Rob Burnett at number 10. I'm sorry, we don't look at Rob no, Burnett. I was going to say, we go look at Darren. Our document, my illustrious co-host, the man with the plan, 
Okay. And the, the other one that looks Exorcist like Rob three, the uh, uh, grapp- Grappler is coming out uh, as, a, as his own piece of merchandise. Grappler's, Grappler's Orn is coming out. Uh, yeah, so, Darren, tell us what we're looking at for number 10. Well, back in the 70s, uh, a little company called Power Records made a series of book and record sets that were absolutely amazing. They had all of the Planet of the Apes movies. They had a bunch of uh, Marvel hero stories. They had, uh, what else? They had, oh, they had Space 1999 episodes. It was truly amazing. And among these offerings were a bunch of Star Trek stories. Captain's Log, Stardate 5466.9. The Enterprise is in orbit around the outpost colony world of Rival 2 on orders from the Federation Agricultural Division to try and find a solution to the destructive plague of Dranzes, which wipes out 70 to 90% of the grain crop every sixth year. A landing party of Dr. McCoy, First Officer Spock, and myself has beamed down to the Rybolian surface to survey the problem firsthand. Mr. Newt Henderson of the Rybolian Settlers League has taken us in hand. That are, uh, you know, maybe uh, 10 or 15 minutes long, dramatized with uh, actors no one had ever heard of. There are, uh, what, there's about... Oh boy, 16 or 17 uh, records that some are duplicated, some are repackaged to uh, be in the Star Trek the Motion Picture mode uh, because the stories didn't really change. They just changed the uniforms. Uh, But uh, they are... They are odd in a wonderful kind of way. They None of the actors sound like any of the actors from the TV show. Uh, They uh, were... I think a bunch of them were written by Alan Dean Foster. I think I'm You're not correct, sure. Sir. You think, yeah, um, some of them were written by Alan Dean Foster. And uh, and uh, comic artists uh, drew the uh, pages of the comic books that were uh, connected. Yeah, Neil to Adams them. and um, a bunch of a bunch of heavyweights. Russ uh, Russ Heath and yeah. uh, a whole bunch of great uh, comic book artists contributed to the. Uh, Comics. What I learned later was that Power Records was uh, headquartered very close to where I used to live in New Jersey. And uh, so they had a connection to, number one, all the New York actors to come in and record for them. And they weren't in Neverland? The, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and all the uh, the comic book artists to uh, do the work, too. So mm-hmm. um, it was a it was a great sort of uh, extra Star Trek thing that was around in the time of of need. Uh, Why is it everything we don't understand is always called a thing? Because things are important. Uh, mm. it, it's, it's, it's really great, you know, when we would go to uh, uh, my favorite uh, uh, retail haunt, two guys that uh, we will hear of more later, uh, uh. two guys in, uh, in Union, New Jersey, uh, they had a full collection of these power records and a whole section on the Star Trek uh, albums, which honestly I never got because <laughs> I heard I heard one of them and I hated it <laughs> because it, it wasn't Star Trek. It wasn't the Star Trek that I was used to, um, which is you know pretty much how I react these days uh, to things. But it's uh, look it it represented a. Uh, an emptiness in fandom that 
needed something to fill it and it was there. And, you know, the, it's funny because the rest of the Power Records uh, offerings are so good that I still have all the Planet of the Apes ones memorized because I listen to them so often. Um, so as, you know, as a Star Trek fan, I think they uh, miss the boat a little bit for me. Uh, but that doesn't make them any less of a valuable addition to the top 10 best Star Trek merchandise. They were like the gold key. Of uh, kind of yeah. Star Trek stories, they were kind of wackadoodle, but yeah. they were fun and they filled the gap because we were so in the seventies, so we anxious had nothing. to have any we had kind of new Star Trek storytelling, yeah. and uh, this was it. And the comics were actually uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, the artwork was good, and uh, and uh, you know the stories were interesting. They weren't Star Trek, but they were science fiction, and they were uh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Really, uh, really great way to start us off with the Peter Pan Power Records Star Trek albums. Say that three times fast. Peter Pan Power Records. I'm not going to. Peter Pan Power Records. And something that you can still pick up on eBay and enjoy the wonderful adventures of the Starship Enterprise. And they're all out there, I believe, on YouTube. You can listen to them. Or on YouTube. That's right. Or vinyl is back in. A lot of these kids are listening to vinyl. Maybe they're going to pick up the record. I don't know. The kids aren't going to pick up the record. How stupid is that, that <laughs> vinyl is back? It, I mean, it's it like just, you, you can listen to lossless music. You have the, the, the entire... The entire, the entire world of music is available to us at the touch of a button in perfect quality. Yeah, and exactly. These, these kids are getting out the record players. I know, it's insane. And then, you know, plus you still got like people like La La Land putting out these amazing... Uh, CDs and yeah. Perez and all these guys. And then they want their vinyl, these kids. It's like, seriously? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know it looks cool, rotating, but I was so happy when CDs replaced vinyl. Like, yeah. I didn't have to get up. It was magical. You didn't have to take that round brush and wet it and, and run it along the uh, record to take all the yep. dust off of it. It was going to sound strange. But you know what I... I I actually do kind of miss vinyl, but for the weirdest reason. Um, Tell us, Ashley. We would expect you to have a weird reason. Because there was something about the smell of the record (laughs) when it was being played. And it's like, the I don't know if it was the dust or if it's just like the the friction or like whatever it is. Something very comforting. Well, how about this? Turn on Spotify and smell your record. Damn right. <laughs> smell the gloves. Smell the gloves. Smell the gloves. Yeah. Just, just try that, Apple. Screw you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where, where are you on this whole vinyl resurgence? Uh, I always hated vinyl when it was uh, new. When I, I, I collected yeah, a lot of records, and I hated the fact that every time I played it, like with VHS tapes, there was more dropouts, and but with vinyl, more clicks and pops. Yep. And I used to try and clean my records to no avail. Totally. Yeah. Even on a brand new, especially on a brand new record. Yeah, I, 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 and American vinyl was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't until uh, I was a little older when I was buying a lot of twelve-inch remixes and foreign. When I really got into like Brit- British music, like Depeche Mode and New Order and stuff in the early '80s, I was haunting Tower Records to buy. I would only, I would only buy UK or Japanese vinyl because it was mm. so much better yeah. than American garbage vinyl, and I, I used to hate it. When I was forced to buy, like I couldn't find 
foreign soundtracks. So I was always buying soundtracks, but they were domestic vinyl. I'm like, this is garbage. Not so the quite idea domesticated. That, yeah, the <laughs> idea that, although I have to say, to be honest, I might have a few recent vinyl releases here. Of course you do. I don't want to admit to that, but I do. I got rid of all my vinyl, except for the ones that had really great album covers, which I framed. So you will still find my Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, um, LP from 79 framed, but I don't listen to it. I listen to my La La Land CD. Yes, right. Um, and, uh, you know. Well, now they've got those great, you know, those great frames that you can just open up and slide in and out of things. Mm-hmm. I've got laser discs in those frames. and Yeah. They're great. That's the only thing that's worth doing with your laser discs. I put uh, General Zod and his two cohorts in it. There you go. <laughs> fly them around the apartment. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to number nine, Robert Meyer Burnett. Well, okay. Uh, for anyone who lived through this era, uh, the mid-70s, the Mego Corporation uh, hit hard with first their line of superhero figures, world's greatest superheroes. And the first ones yeah. I remember getting were Superman and Batman, and the Batman yeah. who had the removable cowl. Mm-hmm. But soon after... Which not removed. Uh, Mego got two licenses. Now, uh, uh, some people might say that they're, they were licenses because these live-action things became animated things, but they that's not entirely true. They got two huge licenses. One was Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and the other was Star Trek. Yep. And for, for me, I went bananas for both of these Mego lines. Uh, both the Planet of the Apes line and the Star Trek action figure line were great. The play sets they had were great, especially Planet of the Apes. I mean, what I didn't understand was it was the first time uh, like when the Star Trek figures came out and they made the Star Trek bridge, the bridge looked nothing like the bridge of the Enterprise. I mean, it yeah. had a it had a, you know, a navigation console and a captain's chair but it was printed, they would print these things uh, on cardboard and then seal them in vinyl, yeah. clear vinyl. So you'd open it up and unfold it all. But I'm like, why can't you just make this look like the Enterprise? Like, why does it, and it was all drawn, like the wall. It was, I don't know where this artwork came from. It didn't matter. I liked it anyway. I loved it. But then um, what they did, what Mego did for Star Trek, they took it even further and they made these play uh, role-playing toys. Right. And they made a phaser with like this reflector, you know, you could fire them. And it was a it was an interactive phase, electronic phaser. But the coolest things that they made were the communicators and the command console. Let's contact Steve. Check. That's the Star Trek Command Communications Console for use with the Star Trek Communicators sold separately. Each uses one 9-volt battery, not included. The Command Communications Console has a multicolor phaser light screen. You can broadcast up to 1,300 feet, and there's a Morse code key that you can buzz out loud or broadcast to the communicators. The Star Trek Command Communications Console. Communicators sold separately in pairs from Mego. Yeah, they work together, theoretically. Together, Yeah. yeah, theoretically. And the communicators looked... I mean, they were they were walkie talkies, but they had a flip up top like the communicators did, and, and they an were, antenna. They were <laughs> yeah, they had a big antenna. They looked like walkie talkies, but they were pretty cool. And um, I actually had them, but they worked for like ten minutes. Yeah, and then they didn't work anymore. But I don't know why. Like they got jostled or banged or whatever. But it didn't matter because even when they didn't work, you could still use them as communicators, even though they were they oversized. 
walk around. Play with them, yeah. You're playing, yeah. you know. And then the command console looked vaguely similar to something you would find, you know, in the auxiliary control room of 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 the Enterprise. And it was supposed to interact with these communicators. To be honest, I never had the control console yeah, because they were really hard to find. And sometimes regionally, like I'm from Seattle, we just, there's nowhere to get it. Unless you bought it out of the back of the Sears catalog, it was really hard to get. Or Captain's Company from the back of Famous Monsters or something. Right. It was really hard to get those kinds of things. <laughs> Not and, as hard uh, as we were led to believe because I had one. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, have one. but and I loved it. You Did lived you? in New York, man. You could get anything in New York. That's but, true. But these um, these were great because they felt... And my father probably did get it off the back of a truck. <laughs> they um, they felt legitimate somehow. Yeah. You know, unlike people see that that helmet with the Star Trek the on Spock it. The Spock helmet, yeah. The Spock helmet that, that they made canon on Lower Decks or whatever. Stupid. Um, they... they uh, they felt legitimate. Like when you had something in your hand that was interactive and to have something like that when you were a kid, it was really amazing. The, the only other thing that they, they had a model kit of the exploration set of a communicator, a tricorder and a, and a phaser. But we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. They'll walk were, into a bar. They were undersized. They weren't, these were electronic working doodads and they vaguely looked like they were supposed to look in Star yeah. Trek. So it was easy to imagine that you had something unique. I just like on the on the front of the uh, of the lid, it had a circular uh, aluminum plate that had the uh, the delta on it and the word Star Trek. Yeah, and that, that is that is the the key for something that is pandering to a kid. Well, yeah, <laughs> but but and I I mean you had to live with that because everything that Mego made when they made a little Batmobile for the their figures. It said Batman on the yes, side of the Batman. That's right. Had to, because they wouldn't just give you a, as a kid a black. And the first thing any kid worth their salt would do would take that sticker off. Yeah. You know, and then you'd leave the sticker behind and it was annoying. And you'd try to get your dad to help you take that off. But it had to go. You couldn't yeah. do that with a kid. You'd, you'd try and get the uh, red uh, uh, fingernail polish and paint the, the red stripes on the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Never worked well. The communications no, console said Star Trek communications console right. on it. It's like, oh, okay. Kevin, this is Scott. <laughs> Kevin, this is Scott. Come in, over. <laughs> I remember. This is Star Trek responding. <laughs> you know, you know what was really upsetting about toys when I was a kid? And, and they didn't come to life and kill your enemies? Uh, no, I, I like hated the fact that you could tell that they, they thought kids were stupid. Yes. And, and, and like, if you bought a Star Trek command console like this, the whole point was it was supposed to be for role-playing. Yeah. That you could immerse yourself in the world of the 23rd century. But when they put the word Star Trek on something, they ruined that entirely. Yes. Unlike it should be on the packaging, not on the, not on the merchandise. No, and, and, and especially, I mean, these a lot of the stuff came out before, but I think the communicators came out in 76, maybe. Anything that was post Franz Joseph with the technical manual and the blueprints, yeah. it was like you people are messing this up. Right. You know, you've got to make here you're you're making something that you're supposed to role play, but they didn't they didn't believe or they didn't they thought kids didn't understand that yeah. they were role playing Star Trek. They thought so they kids were as stupid as the parents. Yeah, absolutely. See, they they it's crazy because back then they thought the kids were stupid, and back then kids weren't stupid then. 
No. Now, yeah, the now, kids are now. <laughs> yeah, the thing was, you, you, you think about, like, can I take this off? Can I take the word Star Trek off the command console? Because if anyone worth their salt was thinking about it, they'd be like, this isn't, there's no such thing as Star Trek in the world of Star Trek. Star Trek is the right. name of a TV show we watch. It's not yeah. the name of what's going on. There's nothing called Star Trek in the 23rd century. Put it on the box, not on the merchandise. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, didn't I, know that. I, I'll tell you, the communications console was really cool because if you like turned off the lights, like it would start to, it, it flashed and had all these cool patterns like a light and everything. Show. What? It was a light like show. Like a little yeah. light show. Yeah. And it, and it also had the red alert. You would hit the the button and it would, you know, it would hit the red alert. So, you know, you could have a fort or you could be playing, you know, Star Trek. And then like, if people tried to evade your territory, you could hit the red alert. And it was great. I mean, I mean, I remember like late at night, you would listen for people who are on walkie talkies, but didn't just pick up the Star Trek walkie talkies, picked up any walkie talkies on that frequency. Right. Channel and, 12, uh, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it was um, not to be confused with Channel 11. And right. it was uh, it was awesome. It was it was really it's the kind of stuff that uh, lit the fire of our imagination as goofy as these things may have been. And obviously, there have been a lot better communicators made over the years, much more screen accurate communicators. Yeah. Yet there was something about those dopey Mego communicators that still resonate for us. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, speaking of uh, communicators, um, speaking of dopey, here's we're gonna go. Oh, no, we're going to Darren <laughs> Doctorman with number eight. Number eight. Well, as uh, Rob mentioned a little bit about uh, Migo and their phaser uh, target game, which was terrible because the phasers looked nothing like the phasers from the show. Uh, you know, you couldn't bring down a Klingon ship with a phaser one. Well, you know, it's true. just you can't do it. It's not it's, powerful enough. Well, it kind of look like them. I it's just when you're big right, you're front. right. Um, and uh, Remco made a phaser that was diabolical. It was uh, it was thick and chunky and terrible. It had little inserts that you would put in it that would project shapes of the Enterprise and Klingon yeah. ships and stars. It was oh terrible. God. Yeah. Cut to around 45 years later. And this wonderful little company called the Wand Company, which got its start from making uh, Harry Potter wands that were remote huh. controls for the TV. The Wand Company comes out with a perfect phaser. Uh, taken from scans of Greg Jean's original hero phaser, this was absolute perfection. Uh, uh, Master Replicas had come out with a phaser a couple years earlier, also patterned after uh, Greg Jean's, and it was made of metal, and it was very heavy. The wand company was just as light as you wanted it to be, but not too light. And it was made uh, in such a way where you could remove the phaser one, and that was uh, functional. I believe it had some remote control uh, operations to it, but no one ever used it. Um, the great thing was that the, the little, uh, selector knob on the back could have you select different sounds that it would make, different light patterns, uh, from mm. the emitter. And the great thing was the phaser one, you could move the, uh, the wheel on it. The sight would come up and you could, uh, look through the sight and press the button on the bottom and it made the phaser sound. And the, uh, when you put 
phaser one into its holder on phaser two. The, uh, the emitter nozzle pushed out just a little bit. It's perfect. It is that phaser that we saw in the making of Star Trek book, uh, where it had the insides open, but it was perfect and it worked just like you'd want it to. And I love the one that I have. And it, it comes in, uh, an amazing, uh, sort of case that has not Star Trek. It has Starfleet on it because yeah. it is all in universe and you open it up and you take the phaser out in its components and you connect everything up. You put the, the power pack handle, plug it in and twist and it, uh, it's exactly the way it should be. And it is the perfect phaser and it's really hard to find nowadays. Mm. Really hard, very expensive, but it's mm. beautiful. That's great. I, love it. You I, know, I, I would I, run around with it all the time if I could. I don't think we're going to have on our list, but you know, uh, because obviously this was a short-lived company, and I know you worked for them for a little while, and it wasn't a great experience. But the the icons um, line of communicators and phasers and tricorders were. Pretty awesome at the time. Klingon disruptors. They were awesome at the time. They didn't. They made the Klingon disruptors. They didn't uh, get to the phasers and communicators. No, um, I have them. I have them right here. Well, other people didn't get them. Oh well, <laughs> I got I got a phaser. I got a tricorder, communicator, and I I got rid of the Klingon disruptor at some point. I still have the Klingon disruptor somewhere. No, oh, well, uh, I'll trade you. No, that's not. Oh, gonna maybe I won't. But, uh, <laughs> Something that uh, isn't on the list yet, but one company also came out with the perfect communicator yeah. that that is a uh, a Bluetooth extension of your cell phone. And when your phone rings, it makes the boop boop sound, and mm. you flick it open. You can answer your calls uh, with a speakerphone. It is perfect. It is great. I have two of them, and they are awesome. <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> that doesn't surprise any of us. Okay, fantastic choice at number eight. Because there were two Mego uh, communicators in the pack, so I had to have two. <laughs> so it brings us to number seven and Ashley Edward Miller. So number seven is, you know what? It's it's a it's a gift that keeps on giving because if you can think of the gift, you can probably find it in the uh, the Playmates Star Trek action figure set. Computer subspace transmission to Starfleet Command from Enterprise. Stardate 4548.4. It's a single blast. Source unknown. Lieutenant Worf checks weapon systems. Captain Picard orders full shields from Lieutenant LaForge in engineering. Suddenly there is an alien presence on the ship. It's one of the Borg, a hostile robotic life form. Commander Riker returns phaser fire. Star Trek, the next generation action figures from Playmates. These guys went cuckoo bananas. Um, they've got figures from essentially every show, from squirrely moments inside of every show, from the squirreliest secondary characters inside of every show. Like, you want Captain Kirk dressed up for a piece of the action? They got that. You want your Star Trek to next That was a KP toy and hobby exclusive. That's yeah. right. An, ex an exclusive, very difficult to find. What was not difficult to find, but I think they actually had a problem moving off the shelf, were the Generations toys in the wrong, um, or yeah. the original uh, <laughs> uniforms. redone uniforms, which yeah. is the only place you could see what they looked like. I, I went out and I got those just so that I could look at them. I was so excited for Generations. Boy, 
was I in for a disappointment. And when I say squirrely, I mean like, look, Rob brought this up, I think, in one of the other shows. The um the whole uh the 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 novel series with like Captain Mackenzie Calhoun. Like these crazy people did a Captain Calhoun action figure, which you can actually buy somewhere. Yep. If you can find it, it's like the A-Team. Um, I really dug the Playmates toys. I was uh I was very specific with what I got. Um, and like what I could find, cause I wasn't like, you know, um, like I wasn't insanely trying to keep up with it all. It was almost, it was almost too much, but I love the generation stuff. I loved all the DS9 stuff. There's a, uh, a great commercial that I think we were playing, right? Mark, before our panels with, uh, with Armin Shimmerman, yeah, uh, in yeah. work makeup talking yeah. about like Major Kira and Lieutenant Dance. <laughs> it's like, it's a little creepy, but at the same time, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you, you you talk about you didn't collect everything. Well, speaking for Rob and myself, and I, I think, well, maybe not Darren, but Rob and myself, we spent a lot of time at Toys R Us and KP Toy and Hobby. And um, Are you kidding, Mark? I still have a case of the piece of the action 10-inch figures. Well, but what I'm saying, like after volleyball, and we would yeah. go searching desperately because you had all the TOS stuff. Rob and I were buying TOS, Next Gen, yeah. Deep Space well, Nine. That's crazy. I yeah. stopped at the Voyager stuff. But, you know, what was great about the 10-inch line was they made, they went deep. You know, they went really deep with like, they would have like Garth of Izar, right? I mean, they had, they had really esoteric um, figures that they did, like from the most obscure episodes of Next Gen and um, uh, Deep Space Nine. Well, I mean- the great thing about the Garth of Isar was you could make a Commissioner Ferris out of him. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. And they, I mean, they even had, what was it, from Dagger of the Mind, I think they had the, 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 the I, I, they just did some crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, they were good. But the real, I think, um, the thing that stands the test of time are the 10 inches they did, which was a beautiful line. Uh, with Who doesn't love the 10 inches? There's a Joan Collins, Edith Keeler that's gorgeous. The piece of the action figures are great. Um, they did, I mean, they did some really, really, a muck time. They did some yeah. great figures. And of course, all really the mirror, mirror uniforms. Well, yeah, they did the whole, they did the, yeah, the 10 inch line of mirror, mirror figures. They even made a Marlena Moreau yeah. figure. Yeah. What was amazing about Playmates was their small line was very toyetic. And yet there was something about them that didn't, it didn't bother me that they mm -hmm. were very toyetic and stylized because the way they had done it was kind of so much fun. Mm -hmm. And they made a full next generation bridge. Mm -hmm. And then they had the original series. They had made the, the, the play set that came with all the principal characters that was in a cardboard bridge yeah. display box. Yeah. yeah. That was really great. But it was those 10 inch figures that they were very, very realistic looking. They were kind of somewhere, but they were halfway between like a Hot Toys figure and Mego. Yeah. They were somewhere in between. Yeah. And they they made all the crews, you know, the, mm -hmm. for Deep Space Nine, for Voyager, uh, for Next Gen, and for the original series. And they were great. Cloth uniforms, great accessories that were painted, unlike their smaller figures, and they made aliens. You know, and made, the retailer like, exclusives were usually the main cast, but in different episodes. Right. So that's how you end up with Piece of the Action or City on the Edge of Forever. The City on the Edge of Forever, Kirk and Spock are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. they did. They did a muck time. 
They mm-hmm. did. They did the environmental suits from uh, Tholian uh, Web. Yeah, Tholian Web, which was yeah, those amazing. are amazing. They were great, and so that that line was one of my favorite because Star Trek figures. A lot of the time, when other companies would get them later, Art Asylum and before Mego, they would never make. You'd get a few figures, and then the line would peter out. The Mego aliens were never. They didn't look like. I mean, the the Gorn was wearing a Klingon uniform, and it was right. right. Whereas Playmates, I mean, they. I don't think a, a toy company has ever made, other than say Star Wars, has ever made as many figures. They really did a great job. Well, they, yeah. it came out during the heyday of Star Trek. Right. This was that mid '90s era when Next Generation was doing really well. Deep Space Nine was premiering. The movies were coming out. Voyager. This is this is that this is the the apex, the zenith of Star Trek's popularity, and so. As opposed to a lot of these companies that came out with merchandise and then died immediately on the vine, you know, like almost virtually with every Star Trek movie, they, you know, a new licensee would come out, the stuff wouldn't sell, and that would be it. But Playmates did something that was great. They didn't just do the principal crews. They went and did all the get a lot of the guest cast and a lot yeah. of other characters. And that was what was so great about it. Because a lot of these people just say, Oh, we're gonna give you 19 versions of Spock. And it's like rather than saying, okay, we've done Spock, we're going to give you now we're you know give you a whole bunch, not just variations, we're going to give you all these other characters. They did a Clint Howard Baylock with Baylock's puppet, right? Yes, yep. right. It's on great. the Viserys. It was like a little yeah. cardboard box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I still have my Next Generation bridge. Uh, it's in storage, and I'm I'm uh, going to go back there and get it because I want to give it to uh, Liz Kosklowski um, <laughs> because she she mentioned online that she wanted one. So uh, I'm going to get that out of mothballs, literally. They um, also did, and we're not we're not mentioning it specifically. A bunch of really great ships. I mean, for the yeah. price for whatever it was oh, thirteen dollars, yeah. yeah. twenty, you know, nineteen dollars. I mean, they did the Enterprise. They did the Bird of Prey. They did. Um, uh, uh, the Klingon, um, uh, Bird of Prey. They, they did the, um, Klingon, uh, the Romulan Warbird. They did some really nice ships. Yeah, they for did the, the price. Excelsior. They did the Voyager yeah. class, uh, Klingon battlecruiser. Yep. Yeah. And that. And, and D, was, uh, and they did the Enterprise 1701 D2, which were all really good. Yeah. At that price point. It was the golden age of Star Trek toys. They weren't perfect, really but they were there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of the stuff we talk about, and in this case with merchandise, I will grant you a lot of this is nostalgia. Playmates was genuinely good as opposed yeah. to like a lot of the other stuff we'll talk about where there's a nostalgia element. The Playmates stuff is like one the of the lube. more impressive lines. Yeah, oh it my was, God. It was, and it was a rare licensee that was successful. Because there are yeah. very few in the history of Star Trek, unlike Star Wars, successful licensees. Obviously, for a long time, Simon Schuster Pocket Books did very well. Bantam in the 70s did very well with the Star Trek license. But a lot of these people come because they can't afford or can't get the Star Wars license, and they say, what else has Star in it? Star Trek. And they think this is going to be a license to print money, and they quickly find out that it is a much smaller fandom. Well, it's yeah. also, a, not only is it a smaller fandom, it's a much different, like, little kids don't want Star Trek figures. Right. Little kids. I mean, we were little kids and watched them, but but whereas Star Wars appealed much more to younger children, Star Trek did not. And Star Trek always had an older, I think, an older component to it uh, in right. terms of collectors. Mm. And um, people never really understood that. And there's a lot of people, for whatever reason, 
Playmates, their figures, especially the smaller ones, appealed to both kids and adults. And that was a really unique... And adults who were kids. Uh, That's right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Great, a great, uh, a great line from Playmates. Uh, not to be confused with the current uh, line. Um, this was the mid-90s uh, Playmates. Now, that brings us to number six. And we're once again, we're looking at Darren Docterman to tell us what's number six on our list. Uh, Rob nicely went through the uh, Mego collection, uh, but one thing stands proud of that That's so much in my alone. mind. So much in my mind that uh, I still have mine in working condition. It is the Mego tricorder. You're saying what? Mego made a tricorder? They sure did for yep. a very short amount of time. Uh, when you went to two guys, you could see Mego tricorder. And it was a cassette player. Uh, on one side, you could record on it and record your own Star Trek adventures, which mm. I did. Uh, and on, on the other side were pre-recorded episode segments from Star Trek, including mm. a, uh, a badly off-pitch Corbamite maneuver. Where everyone was talking just a little bit slow, uh, and it was it was uh, you know Christmas morning when I got that thing. It was one of the most magical times ever uh, because it was big. It was big. It was heavy. It had a it had a sort of a fake leather strap that you could put on, and it was it was magical. Stop looking like that, Ashley. I know. Whenever anyone <laughs> says leather, you go crazy. Calm down. Um, it, it was so cool and it had, uh, you know, you would hope you could open up the top hatch and there was a lever there that you turn and turn it, play, record, stop, rewind. It was so great. And it still is because it still exists in my memory as one of the coolest things ever. And, uh, uh, you know, luckily, uh, soon after that, I got a real tape recorder that uh, worked much better, uh, but it, it it wasn't a Star Trek tape recorder. Um, but uh, that sort of gave me my start, and I think I recorded uh, a little bit of uh, episodes with that tricorder, which is uh, you know it's a it's a, a fantastic uh, convalescence of import. There, my uh, my older brother had that tricorder. Pop quiz. How many times was Ashley allowed to play with it? Uh, allowed? Allowed. Zero times. Pop quiz. What would happen to Ashley if his brother <laughs> caught him playing with it? Uh, You'd be fight clubbed. Yeah, exactly. Phasers exactly. <laughs> on kill. Did you, I did you manage to play with it without him knowing? I, I, I lived in fear of my, my brother is a maniac. Uh, but I occasionally gently cupped the tricorder. <laughs> and, and his leather jelly. strap. And his leather strap. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, Migo uh, were the, uh, you know, they were at the, they, they were there at the beginning. Yeah. And they uh, created you know, the, they created the desire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the great mistakes they made uh, on, and, and um, uh, the Abrams, We'll say this is not getting the Star Wars license. They yeah. had the chance and they passed on it. Yep. And they ended up going with the Star Trek, the motion picture license. Which they cheapened which, out on and yeah. they shouldn't have. 
They wow. made the the world's worst, cheapest uh, playset for the bridge that was made out of very thin vacuum plastic. It was terrible. Terrible. Mm. Yeah. But they made good 12-inch figures. Well, they did. They did. They're, they're, even, they're even though Decker, Decker looks exactly like Keir DeLay, but that's okay. Yeah. Could you imagine having the Star Trek The Motion Picture and Black Hole license the same year? No. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's a sign <laughs> from the we universe. We did get an Ernest Borgnine and Tony Perkins figure out of that that's line. That's correct. Two different true. scales. You could, like, you could redress him as Wild Bunch and Psycho. <laughs> I mean, you know what? You know what I'm was, sure Jeff Bond I, has. What I thought was yeah. interesting about toy licenses, uh, licenses of that day, is like a kid wants to believe that what they're buying toys from, they're like with Star Wars. There's always you know you're only seeing the sliver of a universe. There's all this stuff happening that you don't see, but the black hole was over. So right. you bought black hole. They're toys. in hell. If you somehow your parents decided you needed an Ernest Borgnine action figure and you got that line, where do you go with it? Like you see mm. the movie, it's not like, well, we're going to go on another adventure. No, and everyone's so dead. Why would a kid possibly buy black hole figures? Well, you know, Whitman did come out with Beyond the Black Hole comic in which uh, Palomino continued on his adventures trying to get back to Earth and. They land on a dinosaur planet. All kinds of great stuff for all four or six issues. That, that sounds wonderful, Mark. I'm yeah, sorry. we're going to do an episode it. on that one day. Wow. I wanted to see the place that where the Palomino goes to hell, right? I mean, yeah. now that's, yeah. that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Uh, you know that's a dream sequence, right? Yeah, no, you no, know it's no. a dream sequence. It's a dream, dream sequence? You mean sequence. Hans Reinhardt is not in hell? Yes. He's, he hasn't melded trapped with in Maximilian. Uh, Maximilian? No, Maximilian Shell is not in hell. Trapped no. in Maximilian. I mean, come on, man! It doesn't get more meta than that. And it I want to go to hell with Yvette Mime. Right? Mime? Mimu? 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 Mime. Oh, good. I'm going to mess up the pronunciations now. Yeah. So I don't have the corner on messing up pronunciations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us now to our top. Our top five. Our top five. And uh, Ashley is back to start us off with the number five of the best top ten Star Trek merchandise. So I mentioned my uh, my brother who had the, the Mego tricorder, who was a, a maniac, and I dared not touch his crap. However, comma, uh, he was, in my life, the original Trexpert. Um, and I, I've talked about this on the, the show before. He had his Star Trek club in the neighborhood, and um, you know we all had uniforms that he made. Uh, and uh, I was a red shirt. I didn't quite get the the, the meaning of that at the time, but I was. The meaning was that you were Scotty. I was absolutely Scotty. Yes, also expendable. Um, and I was. Uh, I was. I took an oath to report any Klingon or Romulan clubs that might arise. However, one of the things that my brother did that was super cool was he got the AMT exploration sets with the phaser, the tricorder, the communicator, yes. and he built them all. For himself, his friend, my friend, me, for like for everybody in the club, we had our own full set of gear. So we had our uniforms, we had our gear. Man, we rocked it. It was That's the best. Awesome. I just, man, those AMT kits, I just love them. I built several of the ships. Uh, when I was a kid, I built them up to the point that I went to college, and then I found out chicks don't dig it when you like smell like 
slew. But actually, no, I just, I simply like didn't have the time or any place to put them. I tried to do it again when I got out of school, but then I discovered that wives aren't into it either, which is weird. So, but still, look, when I look back at my childhood and and my uh, relationship with Star Trek, some of the strongest associations are with um, or with those model kits, and kind of being in that club and living the Star Trek dream, yeah. um, which to me is 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 goes beyond collecting and it goes to immersion and kind of being inside that world. And what's better than that? My uncle was my first Trekspert. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, he not only built the exploration set for me with a little light and a thing in the phaser. Uh, But he also gave me Mr. Spock's music from outer space album. Wow, man. So, you know, he started me on this path and uh, uh, it's truly a wondrous thing to travel back in time in my mind to that because it was so spectacular uh, when he brought that box with the uh, with the exploration set in it and opened it up, and there they were all set, and they were my size. I know everyone's yes. complained about, oh, they're too small. They're, you no, know, they were no, perfect not because they us. were for us. Yeah, they were so for us. It was well, it was so great, and and you know, of course, building version after version of the Enterprise model kit yeah. uh, that would break. And, and then you're the, the next one that they had re-engineered to work a little better. And even that one broke, but it was so great. My dad and I built the first one and, uh, he spray painted it silver. And I kept saying, it's not silver. It's, it's not silver. Don't, <laughs> don't spray paint it silver. Um, but you know, here, here I am. Uh, it's, uh, it's such a wonderful connecting point to, our fandom, because it's something that you can do creatively, something you can do with friends, with family. Um, you know what I love about this show? What? It brings back memories. Yeah. Yeah. Things I haven't thought about in, you know, 50 years. And uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I remember building the Enterprise fairly capably, thinking, oh, I'm good at this model building thing. I built the Klingon ship. So oh, I'm pretty good at this model building thing. The Galileo 7. I'm getting really good at this. Then I got the bridge. Yep. And oh, I was oh, like, oh, maybe I'm not as good at this model building thing as I thought. They I call it the Widowmaker. Ass. And uh, as hard as that was, I remember, you know, by the time 79 comes around, that fucking Enterprise model kit of the refit with the lights. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I was great. meant to make model kits. It was but great. Man, that was, was so great. much fun making all those well, also, models. You know, I have to say that one of my favorite things, so however many enterprises, after in the wake of the Franz Joseph technical manual, they yeah. re-released the enterprise model with all the names of the 12 yeah. Constitution yeah. class ships, which I had to build all 12 of them. Of course you did. And my mother was... Well, just, there, there are 13. Well, yes, there are 13. And, and actually, We're all I one had, big happy fleet. Uh, at one point, I had 14 Enterprise models in my bedroom, and the 14th mm-hmm. was my destroyed constellation. Nice. Okay. I was, but, I was using Ohio blue tip matches in my oh fireplace. My to wow. burn. And what I did was, 
Then I had like I had flat styrene. I went out and right. got styrene, like flat styrene at the model kit store for the decks. So I made the come decks, on styrene, you know, smashed them in the. Oh, and it was so. And my mom, she was like, "I'll never forget," because she was smelling the burning plastic, right. and she came downstairs screaming at me. And she's like, why are you burning your enterprise model? I go, no, mom, it's, the it's not the enterprise. Now, did you ever take the saucer section with the dorsal thing and like stick it onto just a warp nacelle yes. and oh. call that a scout? Oh, oh. You, uh, <laughs> wow. I can't tell you. We made scouts and destroyers. I yep. made a transport tug. Did you try to make a dreadnought? I did. And I could never, you know, I tried. The secondary using, hull was never right. Yeah, I couldn't do it. You, it was, but uh, it, I, I often wondered why they didn't make those ships, the Franz Joseph ships, but because they weren't li licensable. I know, yeah. I know. But the 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 Galileo, the Romulan ship, yep. and then they made the the adversary set where they had the three smaller versions of the Enterprise the wrong, on that like yeah. triangular base. Yeah. Yeah. And then they made K-7 Space Station. Oh, yeah. that was a good one. With and a tiny Enterprise. That. Yeah, with the tiny with Enterprise. With a tiny Enterprise. And all of these yeah. kits have been repopped, so you can go get them now. Yes. But, but they were the closest. The thing is, what's interesting is that was when it was AMT, the model company, that actually helped the, the Klingon Battlecruiser and the Galileo Right. Were were manufactured for the show because of the model company. Yeah, by them. Yeah, so it was the, they they in exchange for the free license for the shuttlecraft. Yep, they built the actual miniature and then they built the live action shuttlecraft. Yeah, yeah. which is amazing. It's but amazing. Those, those were uh, I didn't understand how inaccurate the Enterprise model was at the time, but right, I I knew the deck lines were weird. But but it was the closest thing you could get to accurate representations of of what was on screen because the toys you had a dinky enterprise it was nothing like right it was right. so weird and it was dinky and, and those 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 model kits were the close they were the closest thing you could get to touching real Star Trek yeah and when I turned the lights off at night what was the only thing I would see UFO the UFO That's model right. that that it was, was it their repackage repackage from the Lee Erickson. Didn't they make that for? Um, they were going to pitch that to Star Trek, but they weren't interested. What was the no, story? No, it was with that? from a show that was never produced. I think oh, it was okay. from uh, another show that uh, Matt Jeffries worked on. But uh, okay, he he uh, he gave it to uh, AMT to produce. It's it's called the Leaf Erickson, and then okay. it was later repackaged as UFO. UFO, yeah, mm. but it, it again, glowed in the that dark. That one. That's actually a very cool spaceship. That was it's repopped as amazing. well. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, it has, has a little scout opened. ship. Has a little scout ship inside it that is the mm -hmm. coolest thing ever. Yeah, I love that one. And you know, we should mention now that, uh, of course, uh, the company Round Two uh, uh, has gone on and and resuscitated the AMT uh, kits and uh, basically using the same tooling to create modern versions of them. They've uh, updated them a little bit, but. Uh, yeah. Some amazing uh, they, work and, and some amazing uh, release. That makes Darren, what does AMT stand for? Aluminum model technology, something like that. Aluminum model something. I don't remember. Awesome what models. Awesome Team. models. Yeah. And Rob, you've been building the round, uh, the round two. Uh, yeah, um, and they. Uh, I mean, the round two models are are just spectacular. I mean, 
They won 350 scale versions of the original Enterprise. In, you can either build it as the first pilot, the second pilot, and then the production version. Mm. Or if you want, you can get decals and make it the ISS Enterprise. Huh. They've, they did it. But then you have to fly it this way instead of the other right. way. And then, yeah. of course, they've done the um, uh, refit. The refit kit's great. I mean, yeah, there's a little inaccuracy in it, but it's a it's a spectacular kit when you you finish it. But then right. they've done things like they they recently put out in the last couple of years the Grissom from Star Trek Three, right? Which is mm. a great kit. They've done battle, you know, uh, battle cruisers. They've done the Romulan. Did they ever Terra figure out how to get to the bridge on the Grissom? Uh, well, I I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, what the hell? It's um, it, it's, got the Cerritos they, problem. Yeah, I know the Cerritos problem. They're making a Cerritos, by the way. Are they? I would totally get yeah. that. And so they they've just done. They're in terms of handling the license, they've done a spectacular. They just came out with a one three hundred and fifty scale Chronos one from Star Trek Six. Oh wow! Oh, wow. The up, it's the updating of their Katinga from the motion picture, yeah. which is an amazing. Yeah, the D seven, but they it comes with the brass, the etched the, brass the pieces brass that that they added, and it looks painted up. It looks absolutely incredible. That's Darren's going to stand in for Praxis. They're going to use tar for target practice. And they've done. They've Surely done. Surely not. They've done a terrific job. They 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 um made a great shuttlecraft kit. They up upgraded it later with an interior, mm. and it is a fantastic. They've done a fantastic job. Did they ever do it. a version of uh, Spock shooting the three headed snake? I think <laughs> I do. I do think they repopped that something, but I I don't remember. I yeah, the team didn't approve of that one. Know it. No. Right, Darren? I don't, uh, I don't think that uh, Spock would be killing a uh, life form uh, the moment he beams down. I think that's uh, <laughs> against our uh, policy <laughs> and certainly against the character of Mr. Spock. I love that he used to call that out. He hated that model kit. Yeah. Yeah. He just was so focused. And then when he started, but I didn't like it in Star Trek 2. They killed the city eel. It was like that model kit where Spock's killing the Hydra. It's like, yeah. come on. They Some did. Things, they did put it out in like a a tin box, right? So but they gave it a backstory, so there was a reason Spock was killing right. it. Spock didn't actually pull it the trigger on killing. Them. He was he was threatening them. That's it all. was stun. He had it on the yeah. stun. It setting. was all on stun. Yeah, there was no kill, no kill. I he had it on <laughs> tickle. And you know, you know, tickling. something. Here's something that's rather interesting. The J.J. Abrams Enterprise model was never licensed for release in the United States. It was only ever released overseas by Ravel. Why is that, Rob? I don't know. Probably but because I, the licensing fee was too expensive for the United States, and they realized that not enough people would buy it. Probably. Maybe so, it was too expensive to create those giant nacelles. And by the <laughs> way, I mean, I can't stand that design of the Enterprise, but I may, I'm not going to say whether I did or not, I may have that kit. <laughs> lights and stuff. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. I've never, okay. that, that, that design will never, I will never understand the design of the Kelvinverse Enterprise. All of their, all iterations. I don't know why they just didn't use the Enterprise for the motion picture. Uh, well, I, I mean, they completely changed the size. The size of the Enterprise in yeah. the J.J. Abrams Kelvinverse is like four times the size of the Enterprise. But the windows are the same. Yeah, windows are, are relatively the same. It's ludicrous. Well, why does it have windows at all? You know, on the bridge. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I. Let's not go there. 
because this is about celebrating the love. And speaking That's of right. love, I want to go love. back to Darren. Yes. Number four on our list of the top 10 Star Trek merchandise. You know, in the 1800s, if you were to go into a, uh, a uh, sitting room at a fancy house, there would often be a little device on the divan that you could pick up and look at these amazing three-dimensional photographs that you would hold up to your uh, face and look through this viewer and see wonderful uh, worlds in 3D. And uh, you would change the cards out, and it was very entertaining for people in your sitting room. Now, flash forward 80 years, and we had something that was called, get ready, the Viewmaster. This GF Viewmaster is a lot of fun. What do you think? It's truly interesting. The three-dimensional color pictures are extraordinary. I find these how-to-play football wheels very instructional. I always considered the GAF Viewmaster an ingenious invention of great educational value. Gee, I always thought it was just a lot of fun. Uh, in, I believe, the 50s, they first came out with Viewmasters, and it was, the, these were the uh, black Bakelite uh uh, viewers. They were very solid. They were metal. They were bakelite. They were glass and they were very fancy. And you would put in these discs with, uh, pairs of, uh, of photographs that you could look at and they were in 3D. Now, w two of the greatest, uh, offerings that Viewmaster did were both Star Trek related. One was a, uh, a set that was shot on the uh on the episode of the Omega Glory and they shot these real 3D photos in the same placement as the camera on the show and they took 3D pictures of everyone they are beautiful they are amazing you look at them you are there on set and it is truly a wonderful thing and uh the uh the abridged story of the episode is in the little booklet and is really quite ludicrous, but uh, you can read it and see uh, the, what well, the Even the unabridged are. version is quite ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Omega Glory. Darren's right. You know, they, they also use in that episode, there's two Constitution class ships. Right. And they use the AMT models. Yeah. They uh, use the to, AMT model and the three foot model from yes. the show. Yes. Right. To film that was the 3D, recently discovered. That's the 3D image it's, for the Viewmaster. Truly wonderful. Um, the other offering oh, was a, a a set from the animated show, which uh, was the adaptation of yesteryear. They called it Mr. Spock's Time Trek on the uh, on the Viewmaster set. But uh, these, of course, were created by uh, tracing the cells and moving them a little bit to create the 3D. Uh, uh, version because you couldn't shoot it directly from the animation because the animation wasn't in 3D. Right, uh, right. But it's truly glorious. And uh, these two representations of Star Trek in the 3D world uh, were wonderful. And uh, our friend Mojo uh, enjoyed these so much that uh, he was planning on doing 3D versions of modern Trek back in, you know, the late 90s and, and making. Uh, Viewmaster sets for uh, friends and family. Uh, 
that never went through. But uh, it was a great idea, and uh, we're still a fan of 3D, even now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It brings a smile on my face just thinking about it. And, uh, boy, I, I, you know, it, to me, it's just hysterical that they could have picked any episode. And, and when they asked the Gene Roddenberry, he picks the one that he wrote, the Omega yeah. Glory. <laughs> yeah, so he could get it could be like the Doomsday Machine. Yeah, right, it could have been so many great episodes second season, and it's the Omega Glory. You know, I love the Omega Glory. We know you do. We know you do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because you got Morgan Woodward without that distinctive voice. Because it's silent, of course. But you can well, hear it. But you, you, can have hear. The, you have the iconic sound of the lever on the yes. side of the Viewmaster going... Yes. It's so <laughs> embedded in my brain that uh, it's such wonderful memories looking at Viewmasters. How many times do you think you watch that? The Viewmaster? Sure. Thousands. Oh, yeah, 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 me too. Thousands. I used to keep it by my on my the nightstand. Yeah, on my right. next to my bed. I I just because mm -hmm. it was a it was a the the Viewmaster with something in it looked yeah. really cool because it was these white the white circular white disc. Yeah, yeah, and and because it it was literally film, you know, it looked Hollywood esque. Anyway, yes, it just looked yeah, super totally. cool when when. And, and you know, I, I loved everything. I loved sliding it into the Viewmaster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and the feel, it, feel it catch. It, yeah, you it, sort of knew yeah. that you had it seated right. Yeah. Because there was yeah. a UFO Viewmaster. Yep. You know, I mean, they were the greatest things ever. And the, the thing that was most appealing, and it's difficult to explain this, I think, A, to somebody who did not have the toy when they were our age then, and then right. B, you know, kind of kids... My my kids' age, uh, who have this completely different experience with interactivity, right? That there was there was something about the Viewmaster experience that was immersive. It was a you know what I was talking about with having the the model kits built that you could hold, right? It kind of felt like mm -hmm. because you could just block everything else out and you're just looking at that Viewmaster and you have full control over it. There is something about being inside the episode and not just watching it. And so it, even though it was all presented to you, it kind of activates your imagination in a completely different way. Um, that was always awesome. And look, for those of you playing at home who have, who, who are not of a certain age, again, understand that sometimes this was all we had. And yeah. so, and it's not like making an excuse for it at all. It's like, what it, what I'm saying is that it gave us an appreciation for the experience, right? It kind of built a need to just yeah. live inside of it. And I think it, it probably explains why the hell, you know, 50 years later, here we sit. And why we're talking about it. Because like when you're a kid, you're looking at the visual effects and say, why does everything look like it does on TV except for these special effects, right? right. But then years later, you know, as we do you our trekication, our trek archaeology, we learn more and we find out, oh, well, because they couldn't shoot the 3D of the actual optical effects. Yeah. They had to recreate the effects for 3D in, you know, in camera and they used the model kit and the three, you know, the three foot enterprise. I mean, like, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, and also, unlike now, the only time you could watch Star Trek was when it aired. Yeah. Right. And so if you had a Viewmaster, you could pick it up whenever you wanted to. And you could relive the Omega glory over and over again. again. And but, Star Trek never looked better 
than in That's the true. Viewmaster. Yeah, That's the same was true, true of, of like the photo novels. I mean, it's yeah. seemed, it seems so strange. It was an now. NTSC video. Yeah. No. And and you just you couldn't there was a world that we will always remember where you just couldn't watch what you wanted when you wanted to watch it. Yep. And that was I, but we're I mean, kind I, of the last generation of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I started working in, in this, what was at the time the second video store in the United States in 1980, and I, it was a wondrous time when you'd get like, mm -hmm. oh my God, Smokey and the Bandit on tape, <laughs> and that that you could take. It was so revolutionary to to live through a time when you could take a movie or when you could get Star Trek and tape it off the air. I mean, it was. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was the Viewmaster, the Omega Glory, and Mr. Spock's Time Trek, which was the original title of yesteryear. <laughs> What's not? <laughs> and, uh, and we're getting down to it. We're getting to number three. And here's the thing. I think that a lot of people, the holy grail of their Star Trek collecting is a replica of the Enterprise. And uh, much to a lot of people's dismay, uh, the recent Tomy uh, release uh, didn't live up to a lot of people's expectations, uh, but uh, that hasn't always been the case. Rob, has it? Uh, you know what? If if I made this list, and it was just my own personal list, this would be the number one spot. Mm -hmm. So, in in my mind, because first of all, the, the for me the the Enterprise the the seventeen oh one Enterprise is totemic. It's 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 the thing that I most associate with. Star Trek in terms of of something to have. Yeah. You could even say it's iconic. Right? It is iconic. I love that he said totemic. I want to adopt that now. <laughs> it's totemic. <laughs> and I mean, it is... It, it, I, I, so here's the thing. There was never a perfect enterprise. You could build a model of it, but there was always an imperfection. You could yeah. put lights in it. You, you know, you could make it... Eh. But it was not perfect. And it certainly was never the perfect size. Right. Well, so Master Replicas, this great company that existed, they were they they had both the Star Wars and Star Trek license. They made a lot of lightsaber hilts. They made uh, the, the beautiful versions of the tricorder, the communicator, and the uh, Type Two phaser, the Klingon disruptor. They came out with. They also made a beautiful Millennium Falcon. Yes, but they came out with a three foot, basically three hundred one three hundred fiftieth scale. Enterprise. That's perfect. I mean, yep. it is when you. I remember, or it was like twelve hundred bucks. I didn't. Even, I was like, take my money. I remember getting this thing, and you have to understand that that when this thing came out, and I built how many models of the Enterprise, and that and round two hadn't put out their one three hundred and fiftieth scale of, of the Enterprise. Right. Yet. The dinky. There was never an Enterprise that was perfect. There was always something wrong with it. Until this, and it everything about this thing was like 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 I didn't understand that you could have a perfect enterprise, that you could have something, and it it, it came on like an old style headphone jack plug right. that it would right. slide onto a very which was an elegant way to get it powered up because it lit up. It does light up. I have one. Yeah. I have this right over there. Uh, it lights up the engines, the nacelles have the effect pretty much duplicated as as best as they could be in that yep. scale. I mean, there is a whirring of the engines that 
I even find soothing. But even the beautiful, elegant Stan, which is a Delta, but it's it's heavy duty. It's not going to bend. The warp nacelles are not going to sag. This is, in my mind, perfection. It is the single greatest Star Trek collectible ever made, probably that ever will be made. Now, there has been stuff that's come out, the model. You can make the model kits if you want to take the time right. even more accurate. You can build them with an open hangar deck. You can do whatever you want, but, but that requires a lot of work. But as far as an out-of-the-box collectible goes, it is, in my mind, the single greatest Star Trek collectible mm. ever. Yeah. Ever. And I think two of the four people on this podcast own this, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, and what's, what's crazy is I not only do I own one, I also have the Playmobil Enterprise, which is actually bigger, and I I have the Tomy Enterprise, too. I do have the Playmobil Enterprise. It's anyway. great. The Playmobil yeah. Enterprise is great. Yep. It's great. Is it? It uh, I heard it's very it's hard fun. to build. And a it's lot of very hard to build. No, answer. it's not hard to it just you have to put the stickers you know, on. You're not trying to build it with a seven-year-old, my man. Oh, it takes it. Mm. Yeah. You have to stick a dilithium. <laughs> Once again, Star Trek is Lego. It's you have, to, you have to stick a dilithium crystal in the engineering section for the electronics yeah, to work. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. Do you know the first thing that I did when I got my master replicas enterprise? You got gonna, uh, can, how can I say what I think you did? Even though no, I'm not gonna, <laughs> oh, I, 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 I should say it. It was nothing lewd. Okay. Because for me, it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Treat her like a lady. She'll always bring you home, Rob. Oh, I did. <laughs> I, I brought put on, with me, though. I put on my Captain Kirk tunic. <laughs> and I staged the shot where Shatner is sitting with the three-foot Enterprise. And I took that photo. When he's looking yes. into it and Requiem Methus for Methuselah? No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, but you know there was those series of photos with the with the three foot uh, yeah, that Shatner and Nimoy took. It's on the cover of Nimoy's album. He's holding yeah. it like that. I took one of those too. Uh, it's it's just it's the perfect size. It's the size that we always knew it was at some point, and uh, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It is. I wish I had bought it when I had the chance. I wish I had bought six of them. <laughs> or 12 because I would have or 13 I would have you know, yes. up all fleet because now with the decal sets you can change them. although even uh. the way even the way they printed the pendants and everything on the on that model it's so beautifully done it's our friend uh, our friend Bill George built a uh, a freighter from TOS uh, that is in the same scale one three fiftieth. Mm. of the Enterprise, and he uh, wonderfully gifted it to me at one Wonderfest one year, and oh. uh, it is now sitting next to my Master Replicas Enterprise uh, well, flying that's a special guy, that Bill George. Nice. He's awesome. He's he awesome. is just a really great guy. Big fan of his. Uh, personally and professionally. Yes. Yeah. You think he likes Star Trek or Space 1999 better? You know what? He likes everything better. He likes everything. He likes it all. Well, but it's, it's like Queen. I want it all. Ships, Space 19. He wants it now. Pretty. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, that is great. that is a gorgeous, gorgeous um, 
Enterprise um, replica, sensational. Not available for purchase anymore, but uh, something worth. Uh, well, I mean, you know, round every... two did fill that fill that void. I, I have to give him a shout out if you want to build that. Well, if, that's a big difference between owning a completed enterprise and having to build one. It is a big difference. I, I know. It's a really <laughs> know, big difference. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what to say. Someday, Mark. Someday. Someday. Well, if, if, if you guys die first, can you leave, leave me your master replicas enterprise? Sure. Just, just asking. Let's, just let's, put ta- it in the let's will. table that for a future discussion. <laughs> The fucking estate tax is going to kill me on that one. That's right. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're getting down to it. Getting number two, there. Rob Burnett. What's number two on our list of top 10 best Star Trek merchandise? Well, this is not the time for nostalgia for this one. Uh, this is a fairly, actually, uh, just a couple of years old. Uh, it's a new company called Exo6 that was born out of the ashes of QMX. Uh, Najin Tam is the crazy, mad uh, imp- uh, impresario <laughs> behind this. And he is making what he calls museum-grade uh, six-scale figures. Obviously, over the last 15, 20 years, the, the uh, super detailed, perfect six-scale replica figure realm has grown exponentially larger with companies like hot toys now in art and uh, so many others so so toys all these unlicensed figures a perfectly accurate six scale figures are a, a big deal yeah and i was always hoping that somebody would jump in and make six scale star trek figures well they have and they've been very aggressive uh doing so and they've been making some really great six-scale figures. They're kind of all over the place. They don't. It's weird that the first crew they're going to fit, finish is Voyager. Yeah. Um, uh, but but it makes sense because Voyager was one of the most streamed of the Star Trek shows. Um, but they're doing uh, for the most part, their figures are terrific, and the the tailoring on the uniforms is spectacular. And uh, their their enterprise figures, Shrand and Captain Archer, fantastic figures. Uh, they look absolutely incredible. They did uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture figures. They but yeah. they did they did Admiral Kirk, which Migo did in a, a large scale. But they did Admiral Kirk and Spock when he shows up on the Enterprise in his black right. Vulcan robes. And they're going to do what people refer as Disco Disco McCoy when McCoy comes first on shows the- back up on the Enterprise. Right. But that hasn't come out yet. <clears throat> the uh, um, the Spock figure is uh, mistakenly named Colinar Spock. It's not Colinar Spock. No, it's not Colinar Spock. That's a Colinar Spock is is a different costume altogether. Different outfit. Uh, they Spock. just put up for pre order today. As a matter of fact, Ethan Peck Spock from Strange New Worlds and Discovery, right? Uh, which I will not be buying. But yeah, um, the yeah the classic figure line they've done they did a beautiful Q. Yeah, they did Picard as Locutus. That's amazing. Right. They did first contact Picard and first contact data. Uh, and they've got a lot of, they've got three figures they're doing or four figures they're doing from Picard season three. They're they do Shaw. Do, I'm in. They are doing they're, Shaw. They're doing they're, Shaw. They're doing Shaw, Shaw figure is amazing. Picard? It's amazing. Yeah, they're doing, uh, they're Picard, doing Vatic. Vatic and, I want to um, ask Dashwick to sign it just because I want him to say no. 
Oh, that's right. He, it's, no one is more overjoyed that they're making a Shaw figure than him. Yeah. And, they're making the, me 12 the, inches. The space, the, the head space, the head sculpt is phenomenal on Shaw. Uh, one thing that uh, was uh, put up for pre-order a couple months ago that I'm waiting for for it to drop is Kirstie Alley as Savick, oh, which is gorgeous, amazing. amazing. And the only time that she's been uh, done was in the six-inch Playmates, which was nice for a six-inch right. uh, figure. But this is just a whole nother level, uh, and it's it's a great tribute to uh, her Savick. I mean, it's it's spot on. It's gorgeous. Okay. I, I obviously I pre-ordered it as well. And they're doing the uh, environmental jackets, which right. are just really Perfect. incredible. And Najin's family comes from their uh, clothing makers. Right. So ah. he brings a real expertise to, to the, the tailoring. Uh, yeah. And, He's and a simple thing, tailor. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He's Garrick. <laughs> um, I would say this, though. Sometimes their face sculpts are a little, little hit and miss. Yeah, but very rarely though. They're usually pretty good. They're pretty good. Pretty good. The motion really picture great. Kirk was slightly off, but nothing, nothing that you would. I well, mean, the, it's, it's so amazing. People are so anal. Like, right. I mean, it, what he's doing is so spectacular that it, it really is. You know, uh, people just need stuff to complain about. Apparently, well, I, I right. think what's really what they do. What what I don't think he's received enough uh, appreciation for is most action figures have neutral expressions. Right. But if Nanjin can find an iconic expression for his figure, like the Mirror Universe Sulu. Right. That Sulu is perfection. That yeah. I didn't really need it, but I bought it anyway, and it's perfection. That, that because he's got that smile on his face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the cat's away, you know? And, and it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, it's really... It's Sunday with and, wrestling. And same with the motion picture Kirk. There's a bit of an expression on his face. Yeah. So this, they did the same thing with uh, Anson Mount's Pike. But I, I really love this line. And they've done a lot of really cool things. Like they come with this little ID card that's in the uh, with each figure. And then the, the transporter-esque bases link together. Well, the packaging is a work of art. These yeah. sturdy oh, boxes yeah. that are extremely well-designed and very uh, sturdy. Um, uh, really, really, really beautifully done because these are expensive figures. So the fact that they're not just in these cheap packaging, it, that's part of the, it's, you know, something that I think Apple learned very early or, or changed the marketing. It used right. to be nobody thought about packaging and then the Johnny unboxing experience changed yeah. the whole, whole experience of opening a box and finding something very special in, in the box was, you know, work of art. I yeah. kind of feel like with the XO6, the box is also part of the experience. I mean, the boxes oh, are really the, gorgeous. They went heavy duty with their motion picture boxes and then the Locutus box. Yeah. And really outstanding. And there's a lot of like, you open up, you open up the box for Admiral Kirk and the, the it comes with the the thing, the there's a cardboard insert that's the side of the Enterprise where the airlock is when they first... Yes. And the fact that they did that, that requires, there's a lot of thought put into these. Yep. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. normally see that with any other actor. Well, and I thought Quark was very well done. You know, one of the first mm -hmm. in their aliens. And the and, and probably the figure I'm people who listen to this podcast are going to laugh, but the the figure I'm most looking forward to is Crude from Star yeah. Trek Three, which is from all accounts, you know, from the photos and the pre order, oh. stun. And we saw it in Vegas, stunning, just it's spectacular, stunning. spectacular. 
And, uh, you know, as much as we joke about uh, Star Trek 3 not being a good movie, which it's not. Um, it doesn't mean really it's not enjoyable. It, it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. And obviously that kitschy, over-the-top, goofy performance, you know, is 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 just Iconic. a classic performance. Mm. But as a, a classic figure, performance, <laughs> and an amazing figure. To have that figure on the on your shelf, and it, he comes in with all of his regalia, and yeah. they do again. They do some really interesting things where, like, all the accessories have magnets in them. Yeah, so you they're magnetized to the 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 outfit. Super smart, and it really was well done. And like even the the next generation tricorders have magnets, so when you flip them open. They're in two pieces, so there's not a hinge that'll break. Mm, right. And you just put them together and close them, and the magnets hold them. Really, 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 there's a lot of thought that was put into these well, figures. Well, what I, I, I love is, what, you know, doing the figures we haven't seen. And, you know, the thing that worries me is that we'll see too many, because it's easier, of the same characters in different outfits, whereas I really want to see, like, Ruck, and I want to see Jeffrey Hunter as Pike. And I want to, you know, especially the aliens, which I know is much more expensive. I'm hoping we'll see a Garrick, you know, and a Gul Dukat. And, uh, and a because, you know, unfortunately, he's spending a bunch of time doing a bunch of crap that nobody wants, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, I'd really like to see that, 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 um, that uh, vintage era, that the, the, the you know, the, the classic era of Star Trek. And I don't mean TOS, but uh, the original series, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine. I'm excited about the Picard season three figures. Um, you know, I didn't buy any of the Voyager figures. I mean, they're very well done, but I'm, you know, didn't need them. Um, but uh, he's doing really incredible work. And now he just announced he's doing the Kelvin universe, which again, I wish those resources were going into, you know, a deeper dive into the legendary series as opposed to, you know, the Kelvin universe, which I just can't imagine. It's brought down so many licensees. I just hate to see him. Yeah, I know. You know, I make the same mistake. I want to see him make money. I want to see him successful because I want him to keep doing this. Because, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, he's just doing an amazing job, and uh, these figures are just gorgeous. You know, yeah. and he's keeping the price right. And 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 you know, Rob more than anybody with these hot toys and all these things, you put down the the deposit, and then you're lucky if you see it two or three years later. Yeah, he's turning these things around in. Record time. Sometimes less I mean, than six months. Well, sometimes he's he's doing for immediate purchase, like he did with the motion picture. Yeah, which is when he just he guessed how many he could sell, and he just made it available yep. rather than pre order to figure out what his numbers were. No, it's so. amazing, and and uh, you know you don't get a lot of because Star Trek as a license is risky. Right. Yeah, unless you know who your customers are. And to be honest, they do dovetail well with the XO6 figures. I mean, I mean with the uh, with the QMX oh. figures. Oh yes, indeed. I mean, having that that Khan Noonien Singh from Space Seed. It's I'm so amazing. Glad I have that figure. It's amazing. Oh, that's such a great figure. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, Khan from Space Seed. Yeah. And I'm hoping, and I suspect that we'll, we'll have see a con uh, XO6 to Khan from uh, Star Trek Two. Oh yeah, no, they are. They are. And, yeah. and and that uh, will be great. After Voyager. Yeah, it's like, oh, but first we have to finish Voyager. Because I really need that Neelix figure. Damn right you do. Wait, <laughs> and now he's getting, you know, doing the whole Strange New Worlds thing, which again, 
whether we are fans or not, that doesn't is relevant. It tend the new stuff just doesn't sell the way no. you know, the classic stuff sells. So it's like it doesn't matter if we like it. It matters what the market likes. Well, what the market will bear exactly. And the audience for these shows is not the audience that buys action figures. Yeah, not two hundred dollar action figures. Yeah, that's no. for sure. They're, they don't, and they they prove that with Michael Burnham and Saru. Mm. Yeah, you which can didn't still sell. get those very available. You know. But but yeah. in the case, I'm sure they have to make them. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's part of the license. Yeah, to, 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 you know. which is again cutting their own throats. You know, with with a running man can cut his own throat. A agonizer times one night. <laughs> yeah. He so okay, went wild. So that, he slit their throats. He he did things <laughs> to their bodies. Wait, what? Now I'm conflating all the lines. Okay, that that brings us before we reveal our number one piece of Star Trek. Merchandise. We've got a few honorary mentions we want to uh, 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 highlight, starting with Rob Burnett. Well, okay, I I have to say that my honorary mention is the Hallmark Star Trek Christmas order. Mother, mm, good choice. Uh, uh, damn it! I'm sorry. I didn't know. I would. Okay. Said, I mean, I I have to say, obviously, we go all the way back 25 years with a Hallmark Christmas ornament, which was pivotal for us, or me specifically. <laughs> but I think that Hallmark has done a fantastic job. I mean, I don't know why they'd make a Christmas ornament of Spock dying in the engineering section. I, of well, Star because Trek. he is risen. He is, yeah, oh, he is risen Easter. indeed. Yeah, he that's is an risen. Easter, okay. That's an Easter ornament. But, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they're 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 tree capper of the big enterprise yeah. they've made all the ships i love getting the galileo shuttlecraft with leonard nimoy's voice oh my it. god it is shuttlecraft to enterprise shuttlecraft to enterprise <laughs> happy holidays live long and prosper <laughs> it's so great and and by the way that miniature is awesome like it's, it's great an, it's great and the hallmark christmas ornaments and they're still making them yeah totally 25 Every years year. later well, you know what my favorite was? Mr. Arix, which I got to say, uh, yes. I hope XO6 does as well. But I was so ex excited to get Mr. Arix and Emrest as a Hallmark Christmas ornament because nobody does Arix and Emrest. Yeah. So that was really awesome. And I know this is a Star Trek show, but I got this year's ornament already. I could not believe... The 78 Galactica is this year's Hallmark Christmas ornament. And uh, it lights up and it looks for Earth. It's awesome. I didn't even know they did that. How does it look for that. Earth? I don't know. You hang it on your tree, <laughs> your menorah, whatever. And the it, people it, it, at Hallmark searches knows for what's Earth. up. They know if they make that from a 1978 TV show, we'll buy it. Yeah, there's at least one and guy out I there did. who's going to do it. Yeah, it I uh, personally love to take my... my I, I, the centerpiece of my... Christmas ornament collection is Deep Space Nine. And then I array the other ships around it. Yeah. And someday my dream is to recreate the Dominion War around my oh. Christmas tree. You know what you should get the baby Playmates in the Deep middle. Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> the Playmates Deep Space Nine was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Really God, and it lit that. up. It, that was a great, it's not on our list, but man, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. You could dock yourself to it. Okay. Well, that was a great pick, Rob. The Hallmark ornaments. It's a deep, deep, uh, deep bench. I feel of, bad, of, though, that we, you know, we haven't mentioned something yet. I don't know. What? We haven't mentioned something yet. But I mean, oh. I well, I don't what know. It, what's your honorary mention? 
That was his honorary. That was mention. My the honorary. Hallmark Christmas ornaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My honorary mention. I did. Fantastic. Mention. Okay. Did well, there you go. That brings us to uh, Ashley Edward Miller and his pick for honorary mention. That isn't the Hallmark Christmas ornaments, but it could have been. It totally could have been. It sorry. absolutely could have been. Um, so you know what? Here's what I'm going to go with. Because by God, look, we have spent this entire show talking about things that really appealed to us when we were children right. and, and things that really activated our, our nostalgia for things that we enjoyed when we were children. So uh, for my honorable mention, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest something that I appreciate as a grown-ass man. Uh, the, uh, the Star Trek Spirits Collection oh. featuring various and sundry boozes uh, whiskeys, mm. wines, liqueurs. If you want your Romulan ale, you can get it. I mean, come on. It's like you don't even have to take it across the neutral Why, zone. Ashley, that's illegal. All right, well, you know. Shh. So there you go, kids. Nothing better than it's Christmas Eve, sitting around, looking at your Hallmark ornaments, laying with, like, your Mego tricorder, getting whacked out on Romulan ale. I mean, you can do it. You can live the dream. It, Hold, holding your living. AMT model kit over a candle and pretending you're Sylvia and Korab. Yeah, no. yeah that's exactly right. This, the cruise one, that's getting hot in here. And, you know, and, or you can just be like, you can hold the front of your, uh, your, your enterprise, like, you know, the, who, and you can wonder like how you even spell Adonis. You know what I mean? It just, it just, it <sighs> can be crazy. See, exactly. Adonis, and how you say it, say it three times fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mamey, I they're the bottles are wonderful. I love the bottles. The booze is not great, but the, the bottles are great. terrific. Yeah, the <laughs> bottles are absolutely worth it. The the uh, the James T. Kirk bourbon was pretty much the worst bourbon I've ever tasted. <laughs> right, but then you just pour just it out. And you put something real yeah. inside of it. Yeah, that's correct. Exactly. You do the same. It's like you take the and this is while Shatner was pouring it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it wasn't that even good. Then. Okay, well, that's a great pick. Uh, the the Star Trek Spirits, yes, um, which is a Spirit recent introduction to the licensed. Uh, I, 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 it was so I, so funny because I remember Darren, because Darren can't he has no sensor. He went up to uh, the, them at the uh, convention, um, and you're like, oh, this is really cool. But why wouldn't you make? What did you Ooh. say? At the, you went up to the Star Trek wine people and said, remember? You, what did you say? Something at the deeply rude. You remember you, you made some got rude comment. Not oh, rude, it, but just like. It wasn't rude. It, it, was, it, was, it was honest. Are, do, are you making uh, uh, sorry and brandy? Right. Sorry and brandy. Right. And they didn't no. know what you were talking about. They yeah, had no like, idea. Why wouldn't you make sorry and brandy? Yeah. It's, so obvious. it's only the most mentioned liquor in any Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just just shows you who's doing this stuff. Well, that's the problem when you have a licensor or licensee that doesn't know the, the, the property. If they were thinking, they would do like what, um, like what the, uh, there are whiskey makers. Like there was, uh, I, 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 I think it was Glenn Fittich who, um, who had a, like a Game of Thrones license. 
Mm -hmm. And so they would issue special bottles of different uh, single malts that were like House Targaryen and like, you know, House Stark and like, and all of this other shit, right? And so you would think that the guys who've put all of their energy and time to making these beautiful bottles would do some kind of a deal with like, hey, McAllen, even though you're the missionary position of whiskeys, like maybe we should do something cool, right? It's like, You'd think he would do something like that rather than try to master the alcohol of it as well. But, oh, well. It's, you know, like like most licensing things, it leaves much to be desired. Yes. Okay. Well, that was the Star Trek Spirits. And uh, that brings us to uh, Darren and his pick for honorary mention. My pick is something really stupid, but it's also kind of cool. Back in uh, the time of Star Trek V, the Kraft Marshmallow Company made a uh, a uh, a send-in. I think you had to put box tops or something, and you would get an official Mister Spock Marshmallow d- dispenser. Even though it should be a marshmallow dispenser because of that scene in the in the movie, um, it it was a uh, it was a plastic thing that you would f- you would fold together and create this little uh, plastic tube that you could stuff marshmallows in and then press a lever and one marshmallow would come out at a time. It was really silly, but it's kind of cool because who would have thought that Star Trek would give you a marshmallow dispenser? It's magical and from the mind of Mister Spock. It's uh, it's just wonderful. Try it, yeah. You? What that you know? That's right up there with the um, the Spock helmet, the old '60s Spock helmet. You know, with the with the siren on top of it. You know, yeah. the marshmallow dispenser. I mean, that is one of the kitschiest. Although you know, it actually is something that was used in the show, which gives it an advantage over the Spock helmet. But um, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty wild um, that. Uh, they made that, and totally. that you can dispense marshmallows through this marshmallow dispenser, right? Because everyone I've needs a marshmallow dispenser. Wanted one and never got one. Uh, yeah. Well, Rob, it's not too late. A marshmallow it's or a dispenser? Out. It's still possible. <laughs> the dispenser. How much is it on eBay? Haven't looked. I haven't. Looked. You know, here's the thing: that the, the Greg Jean auction was admittedly pretty awesome. But it was lacking in marshmallow dispensers. There was no marshmallow dispensers. So it was not exhaustive and complete. Even though he probably made the marshmallow dispenser. Yeah, he probably probably did, did, right? That's a good point. But he probably gave it to somebody. No doubt. Just think, could have gone for another $100,000. Indeed. Anyway, amazing. Okay, that brings us to my honorary mention. Yes. And, uh, you know, I want to point out, because people are probably thinking, why is that beautiful Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition box set not here? We're not considering Blu-rays merchandise. It's not. No. They're Blu-rays. They're, they're home, home video entertainment. Um, uh, so there's certain things where you may say, oh, okay, how come, you, you know, we're not, uh, we're, not, we're not going with that, that uh, because we don't consider that merchandise, right? It's the same thing with the books. I love those gorgeous IDW hardcover um, collections of the UK comic book strips, Star Trek right. comic book strips, right. and the Star Trek The Motion Picture newspaper strips. Those yeah. are beautifully done. But again, those are books. Those That's books. not merchandise. We've done books, yeah. right? So my pick, and I'll, we'll see if you guys allow it. You might not, in which case I will have to go with my other choice. My pick for the 
honorary mention for Star Trek merchandise. It's not a piece of merchandise. It's a place. It's the Federation trading post in New York mm -hmm. City where fans from all over the world came to buy a combination of licensed and homemade Star Trek merchandise, whether it was the giant six-foot posters of Kirk and Spock, they wanted to own a Tribble, they wanted to get the newest issue of the Star Trek poster book. It could all be found at the Federation Trading Post was in it, Midtown Manhattan. Was it 110 East 53rd Street? 110 East 53rd Street. I believe you are correct, sir. And um, it was a pretty awesome, magical place. They had recreations of the Baylock Puppet. They had uh, recreations of the ships. Doug Drexler worked there. And on one stormy, rainy night, even Gene Roddenberry paid a visit to the Federation Trading Post. Uh, places like that don't exist anymore. Even the no. Great Forbidden Planet, which was another staple of, uh, well, certainly it started in London, but the New York store was extraordinary. And then the two-story story, it, it became a much smaller comic book store down the block. It's not nearly as amazing as it once was. Um, but, uh, and we love Forbidden Planet, but, um, but the Federation Trading Post for a bright, shining moment burned ever so brightly and was the mecca for all things Trek. And I love when Doug Drexler tells the story of how when they opened it, um, everyone around, the other store owners would laugh and mock them, like, who's going to go to the store? And within weeks, once yeah. the advertising began on WPIX, they had lines around the block. Yeah. It and was I was truly, one of them. It was truly amazing. It was, yeah. it was down the street from where my dad worked at a, uh, ad agency. Um, and one day he came home with a rolled up poster of the crew on the transporter. Yes. Yeah. And it was the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen. And he said, there's a store that I found that I think you would like. And he took me to the Federation training post. He took me into, into town. And oh my God, it was mind blowing. Yeah. It, this, this is, this was a mecca of, of things that I'd never seen before and yeah. would never see again. Uh, this was a place where people would gather who were fans of this thing that I thought only I liked. And it was, you look everywhere on the shelves. There was everything you could possibly imagine that was related to Star Trek. And more. And more. They had uh, they had communicators on the on the front counter. They had a little uh, model of the Doomsday Machine that someone had made out of uh, a, an ice cream cone, I believe. It was so great, and uh, I actually didn't get to see the museum. I, I was there before they had opened Ooh. the museum and back, so I didn't get to see it. But uh, man, we, I got books there. I got posters there. Uh, it was so great. And I miss that time so much. I miss that magical moment yeah. when I saw this thing. By you the know, way, my backup. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Well, I was just going to say that, that you know, the, these are things that will never come again. Yeah. Uh, just because the world and the way pop culture works and the way our culture works, you know, with the internet, you can, you can at, the, uh, at the keystroke, you can get whatever you want. There are you no hidden secrets it. anymore. No, yeah. you could see it. And, and the idea that we had to go find things and we had to, and there was no way to know, you could still stumble on things you didn't know existed. Yeah. 
uh, those days are over. And I don't think that there's ever going to be. And I'm not, I don't want to no. be one of those. Oh, the, old, the olden days was so but much better. But truth is truth. But it, no, yeah, well, because we, let, let's point out, there is something great about all these movies, all these TV shows being available. The click of a button now. Of course, it's um, magical. You know, it, it is so much that's great about the world. And the way that in some ways social media has brought very disparate people who live across the world together to celebrate what they love in this case, Star yeah. Trek. You know, that they, 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 you know, it's not, you're not sharing letters or you, you can't make expensive phone calls. You can, you know, just, you know, text back and forth or, or, or the Instagram and it's bringing all kinds of fans together. I mean, again, w- you know, we all came together in a very unique way because of our interest in pursuing a career in the business. But, you know, people are just Star Trek fans. It used to be you'd meet at conventions, but now yeah. people meet through these, these groups on Facebook or, um, you know, uh, um, you know, Patreon or whatever, and these yeah. communities come. So it, it, it's not to say that we had it better. It was different. It's yeah, and there's things different. about I mean, the was, past uh, that we missed. I think there's something that's very, um, it, and it's, again, interesting kind of watching Caden in this context. Uh, I son. don't think you can love something truly if loving it is easy. And when we fell in love with Star Trek, it was difficult. We had to work for it. We had to find things, right? It's like there was a certain passion and interest that had to drive us to hunt this stuff down. Sure. And and the reason why I bring up Caden, for example, is look, the kid loves your son. Yeah, my son Caden, he loves, you know, most of the Marvel movies, at least up through, uh, you know, Endgame. Um, He loves Star Wars, right? He loves those things. But I kind of think that he's actually just in deep like mm. with them. But I know for a fact that he loves Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the, 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 the fact that he just sort of knows, like, all of this squirrely stuff that, that I don't know. The fact that he seeks this stuff out. The fact that I didn't have to tell him that Godzilla minus one is going to be hitting theaters on December 1st. The, the fact, fact that, that he's he got- likes it better than you. Is crazy, right? Like, and he goes out and he looks for like, where's the these action figures and dad? Like, what's this? I mean, that is a dedication. Now it's easier for him to love Godzilla than it was for me when I was his age. Sure, but it's way harder for him to love Godzilla than it is for him to love Star Wars. Right. Well put. Well put. By the way, this was my backup. This was the tiny TV. I don't know oh, if you're yes. familiar with these. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh, the, and and uh, it's a tiny TV. And uh, it, it plays Star Trek on it, clips from Star Trek. And it's already gone dead, apparently. I guess I need a new battery. I was going to play you a little snippet, but it's not working right now. I wanted sadly. to put it into my one of my uh, tricorders. And, uh, oh, that'd be so that cool. be the, the video source for it. Yeah, I got to replace the batteries. But it's a little, uh, like, um, uh Little TV and it plays clips from from Star Trek on the, uh, great. the replica little, of an old nineteen inch television set. It's, it's a it's little really goofy, fun. goofy toy that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well put, well put. Okay, and that brings us to number one, our number one, number uh, one. on our top ten best Star Trek merchandise. And uh, Darren, if you yes. do the honors of revealing our number one pick among the treasures that the Federation Trading Post had was a selection of records. And one of these records was something that had a basically blueprint of the Enterprise on the front 
with uh, some, uh, I believe, pens and pencils. But it, it it had the title Inside Star Trek. Star Trek. How did it happen? When did it start? What are the people, the things that we couldn't say on television? What are the stories which haven't been told? These are the voices of Star Trek, the way we think, some of what we think about, some of what we talk about in private. This is Gene Roddenberry, and I'll be bringing you William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, or will it be Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy? You'll have to decide where fiction leaves off and reality begins. You may find that they're both part of the other. You'll also hear from a science fiction great, Isaac Asimov, also from Spock's Vulcan father, Ambassador Serac, plus more. Welcome to Inside Star Trek. And it featured uh, basically a discussion between Gene Roddenberry himself. It had uh, clips from some of his uh, college uh, speeches, uh, but it also had him sitting down with William Shatner, uh, DeForest Kelly, um, with uh, Mark Leonard. Uh, and is that it? I think that was it. But uh, and, well, and then Nichelle for the CD re-release recorded the wraparounds. Right, right. Nichelle recorded the wraparounds. Uh, but it was really amazing because, you know, no one really knew actually who Gene Roddenberry was. They saw his name on the on the front of the show. But, uh, you know, it's 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 through this album that I was able to start developing my uh, Gene Roddenberry voice because he he sits there and he talks to Bill Shatner and he says, tell me, Bill, how much of Captain Kirk is William Shatner and vice versa? And then, of course, Bill tries to give an answer. I asked I asked this of Bill at one of the Ticonderoga gatherings. I asked him the same question in Roddenberry's voice that he didn't recognize. Um, and everyone around me was trying to stop from laughing. And, uh, and Shatner, Shatner basically gave the same answer that he gave on the album that, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that the good parts of uh, Captain Kirk are, can be found in me. And, uh, I hope very few of the bad things in me are found in Captain Kirk. So I think that, uh, the people you see on television playing leads in television series, that's what they're like. When, when people ask, what is so-and-so really like, the lead on a television show, what you're seeing is what you're getting. How did Captain Kirk, the, the character, the, the strong, the uh, usually wise uh, commander of the vessel, how much did that influence you and your personality? I don't think that I carried home any of the, uh, the characteristics of Captain Kirk other than, as I've just said, those characteristics were me. But the wisdom and the sagacity and the courage that Captain Kirk evidenced in the play of the week was written uh, as fiction. And uh, I often wish that I could be able to do that in my own personal life, but fallible me is fallible me. It's, it's a, a very, uh, it's a great album. And it's just, it just takes you sort of slightly behind the scenes as if you're eavesdropping on these discussions. And, uh, it's really fascinating. They, they, well, and Mark well, Leonard was in character as Sarek, right? He yes. It wasn't more, everybody else was the actors. Right. But he was, he, he was, Sarek. Yeah. Sarek. It was great. It was great. And he, uh, 
Uh, he called him Roddenberry and, uh, he, uh, chastised him about some things. And it was, it's really fun. Uh, if you can find it, it's great. Um, they, they did, uh, re-release it on the B side of one of the, uh, Star Trek, the motion fi- picture discs back when CBS had it. And um, Isaac Osimov's on it too. That's he? right. Oh yeah. my God. That's right. Yeah. There's a track. I, I, and I can't, I want to just weigh in here and say that. To me, this album was one of the most magical things yeah. to have because it came out in 1976. But yep. to hear, again, there was no way. I had never been to a convention to hear William Shatner speak. You know, and to hear these actors talking, talking yeah. to Gene Roddenberry. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I was nine years old and I knew, I knew who they all were. But to hear them speaking as real people yeah. was insanity. And I probably played this record a thousand times. Yep. It was yep. the original Inglorious Trexperts podcast. It uh, sort yeah, of was. It, yeah. it really kind of was. And it, it it's truly uh, amazing. And there's there's even something about the Quester tapes on the record. You know, there's a thing yes. called the Quester Affair. And oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's absolutely uh, an incredible thing. And again... Nowadays, people are going to... You can find it on YouTube. You can go listen I'm to sure, it on YouTube. Yeah. But the funny thing about it, it's hard, again, once once again, to convey. Now people would listen to it and go, what? Yeah. You know, what? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, because there's a million different clips of these people talking. But back yeah. then, this was it. Yeah. It was this all was we had. the only thing. There was no existed. TV specials. There was no... no- no Anything. electronic frontier. That's right. And no Lieutenant Yaw. Because back then, um, Star Trek was a failed TV show yeah. that had the novelty of this weird fan cult that grew up around it. The first convention was in 72, and this album came out four years later yeah. as a result of the popularity of the show going into syndication and, and Roddenberry doing conventions and all these things. So it's such a weird thing. And when I was a kid, to have this, to hear these voices... It was mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it was interesting because I never owned it, but I found it one day at the library. And so Mm. I took it out and listened to it over and over and over again. I had to return it. And then I would get it the next week and listen to it over and over. And I would constantly be uh, to the point where they'd be like, don't you want to get another album? And just like, no, I would just want this album. And I would listen to it all the time. And it's funny because that album inspired, I think, William Shatner Live. He went on tour yeah. uh, and, and he put out an album of, of Live. He talks about the beginning of Star Trek The Motion Picture and a bunch of other stories, um, which is similar because of the success of Inside Star Trek. And now one of the things I've always been so fascinated with that record that we made a big point of um, finding out the history of it when I wrote 50 Year Mission. Right. And I tracked down... The producer, which was Ed Naha, who wrote the sci-fi Pictionary and used to write for the New York Post and wrote a lot about Star Trek at the time. So he was an A&R guy at Columbia Records. Mm. And um, he was a big fan of of um, Star Trek. And he had this idea to do the spoken word thing. And he was the one who ended up going to... Um, uh, um, you know Roddenberry and getting him excited. He became friends with Roddenberry. And... Um, and got Gene, convinced Gene to do it. He tells a story about how 
Shatner showed up hours late in tennis whites to do his segment, how they were waiting. And they were just freaking out because the studio time was the clock was going and going and going. Like, where the hell's Bill? And he finally shows up and like nothing's happened and does his segment of the record. But um, what's so cool, it was he said it was was fairly successful. And he then went on and became the A&R guy uh, for um, Born to Run, Springsteen's album. So and, and, and then he was responsible for clearing all the music that went on the album that was on Pioneer One, you know, oh, that, that went into wow. space. Um, even though it was going to space and chances are nobody other than aliens were ever going to hear it, they still had to do legal clearances to <laughs> well, clear yeah, the music. Because it's that phrase in the known universe that yeah, yeah, the, exactly. threw them up. So yeah. it, I, I was so fascinated by the whole thing. And I think he's amazed that anybody even remembers this Fakakta thing. And yet for all of us, this was another one of those you know, moments in Star Trek history yeah. that inspirations, um, uh, key moments, um, uh, uh, legendary pieces of merchandise that meant so much to us that kept us on this path to Trexpert them. And of you know? course, Roddenberry is the most inglorious of Trexperts. <laughs> that yes, is for sure. Do you know what? That is for sure. I've often wondered, and I've never ever asked, well, my father's no longer with us, but. I've often wondered what my parents thought of all of this. Mm. You know, like like when they're walking in and listening to their their nine year old son is listening to this particular record. Mm. Like, what did they think of a kid listening to this stuff? Yeah. Like my 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 parents. You know, you're when you're a kid. Like my father, and my mother never said. So, what is it about this that interests you? <laughs> You know, they ne- they never dealt they never delved into the psychology of it all. And like, my mom didn't understand. Like, why do you have to make twelve of these? And I'm like, because there's twelve different ships. Yeah. And my mom's like, but they all look the same. I'm like, they're but they're different. This is the. But how would you explain it? I don't no understand medical. why we're so obsessed with this nonsense. I, I mean, yeah. it's it. But as a as a parent, I often wondered like, what did my parents? say to other friends of theirs like how are your kids that's what you know parents ask one another when they well you can't I, use the word retarded anymore well a, no. uh, <laughs> i was i was very lucky to have two parents I was touched that, that not only understood it but encouraged it yeah well my Me parents too. were very encouraging like they they were they were the ones that made sure i they found stuff like this like i told you about my mom finding the star trek books and putting yeah. it on my shelf yeah but but they never I mean, my interest in this stuff as a kid was really serious and extreme. Like, I was seriously into all this stuff to the point where I I, I have no idea what my parents, because we never talked about it, even to this day. Mm. See, mm. I, I was in a slightly different situation because I had my older brother, who was six years older than I was, who was as maniacal and crazy as like as any of us, maybe more so, right? Because not only was he making the uniforms and building the model kits for everybody and writing up the note cards with the oath and like watching every episode and making me watch every episode and then quizzing me on the episodes after they were done. He was doing shit like he was taking carpeting and he was making tribbles, right? Like he was doing that stuff. So I was kind of drafting off of my brother's insanity, right? And there's almost no space for me to be that insane because he he hogged it all. So I just watched. I watched and I enjoyed and I occasionally played with things I wasn't allowed to play with and tried not to break them. 
Right. So my mom and dad were looking at him, not me. Yeah. yeah. I was so lucky that my dad introduced me to this stuff. He took me to 2001 when I was seven. He took me to the Federation trading post. He was, he was there at every moment. And I remember he showed me a box, uh, with his old papers from when he was a kid. And I looked through these and there were drawing after drawing of copies of the original Batman comic book cover, Superman. He drew all the Justice Society. He was a huge fan in his time too. Mm. And he transferred that love of stuff to me. And that is his legacy that I carry with me every day. Wow. And I think that answers the question we asked at the very beginning. Why does this merchandise mean so much to us? There you have it. So, and there you have the top 10, the top 10 Star Trek merchandise of all time here on the Inglorious Trexperts holiday special. And uh, we want to thank Mark Rivera, Peter Holmstrom, for uh, the great job they did in bringing this to air. And uh, all of you for continuing to indulge us as we count down 10 top 10 lists. And we'll be back next week with an all new top 10 list for our continuing holiday specials. And if you have some thoughts to share, you can do so at Plus at gmail.com or on social at Twitter, Threads, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky. MySpace. MySpace, Friendster. Friendster. At Inglorious Trek and Inglorious Trexperts, where you can scream at the clouds and perhaps we'll hear you. So uh, join us next week. And of course, you can join Rob every day at the Burr Network on YouTube. So check out check him out from his observatory as he shares additional thoughts about Star Trek and the world of genre entertainment. You don't want to miss that. So until next week, on behalf of Robert Ryan Burnett, Ashley Edward Miller, Darren R. Docterman, myself, Mark A. Altman, and Gene Roddenberry, keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Come, they told me. A newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring. To lay before the king. So to honor him. Little baby. I'm a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring. That's fit to give a king. On my drum, Mary nodded. The ox and lamb kept time. 
Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. 